Welcome to show 113 of the Veteran Gamers Podcast. Yay, 113! Woo! Yeah, we got there, 113! Oh, I never thought we'd make it. I know, I know. Well, it's unlucky, isn't it, 13, so you've got to be careful. 113 is the fire emergency telephone number in Indonesia. Is that really true? Apparently, according to this Wikipedia article. So we had 112 last week, and now we've got 113. Also, 113 is the number of bats in Nigeria. What? Wow. You just made that up. I did. Well, you know, that's open for debate. (laughs) There is a Mercedes-Benz M113 engine. Hmm, There you go. An armored personnel carrier known as the M113. Wow. See, also, 113 is the amount of crisps Jordan eats before she goes to sleep. I'd love that to be true. I'd love her to sit there stuffing her face with peanuts or something before bed. Mm -hmm. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Introduce people. Yes, uh, I'm the daddy. Hello. Nice to be here. Excellent. And we've also got Chinny. Hello and welcome to the Veteran Gamers Podcast. My name is Mike Chin and it's great to be here. Wow, we should do that every week. That's great. I love it. This is my radio voice, Stuart. (laughs) And we've also got Duke. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Do you know what? I thought you weren't for a minute then. <laughs> <laughs> you have to let it pause. Cause it's in, anyone know what that's from? Uh, no, no idea. No. Oh, Christopher Matthews listening, because he'll always get these. Uh, it's from The Big Lebowski. So, uh, I've seen that a long time ago. Though. And there's a great scene where the police chief's chewing him out, like, I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like you, jerk-off. You hear me? And he's just sitting there for like five seconds. He's just looking at him. And then he goes... I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. And the dude throws the coffee mug at his face. He's like, stay out of Malibu, deadbeat! Was he, was he podcasting with you? Is that what he was doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you think about that, Duke? I don't know. I wasn't listening. Podcasting, you mean? <laughs> sorry, I was grading papers. <laughs> yeah. Multitasking. Got to keep it going, man. I'm a busy man. I got stuff to do. I got to pull the price tags off these books I bought today. Ah, uh, I see. My exciting life. If you'd like to hear more from me about stuff that you don't care about, listen to the Deviant Sincast, now on iTunes. Are you using our show to promote your other show? <laughs> that is that Luke, what you do? He talks about the connection every week. Luke, that is outrageous. I, I have enough show to promote. Rageous. Uh, overseas connection. Yeah. Um, I, once, I once bought a book. I remember that. Day. <laughs> now, yeah. So I, I, bought, I bought a book right once. Um, is that a bitch hip reference? I was a yeah, it was. That was. Uh, Day. All right, so I uh, I bought this book, and the guy um, made kind of like a point about the sticker, and I always thought this was odd. He says, um, "I'll put a sticker on there. That's very easy to peel off." Very upset by that. My mom was always very angry when it was hard to pull off a price tag on a product. I don't really mind because it's not that hard for me. Just take but, it slow, people. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, look, it was nice that he, he put that sticker on, you know, because I do appreciate that. But you know, 
I, it would have been a nice surprise for me to discover that myself. He kind of gave me a spoiler, if you want. Yeah, that's true. Um, for the for the. He should he should go listen. Bit of spoilers about that book. Oh, don't tell me who died. Don't tell me. Who died. No, the sticker comes straight the off. It's right, very right. easy to take off. Speaking of book stickers, when I worked at Borders Bookstore, uh, they had this roll of stickers that said autographed copy, and I used to love going back to the religious books and putting them on the Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> the manager didn't like that. I bet. Yeah, but the but the thing is though, don't you hate this? It really pisses me off. You know, especially on second hand games, right? Uh-huh. When they stick a sticker on and it just doesn't peel off nicely, yeah. and, oh, and you know, we also and it's even worse. Like sometimes stuff. there's like three oh, stickers, three different stores, and it's like I bought this from you know Best Buy, and then I brought it to GameStop, and then I brought it here to the communist store, or you know like it, the game just got bought and then rebought by all these different places. I'm like I'm gonna get the copy behind that box so that I can have a nice clean game package. Oh, yeah. awesome. And also when it has about four barcodes, yeah, and you're like oh wow, how many barcodes? It's like looks like. You know, scraping wallpaper off an old oh, house. I hate it. Now, that's the, that's the reason I wish I had a color printer. So you find some really cool custom artwork online for game packaging, and I wish I could print it off and put it in my games, but I only have a black and white printer, so it would look stupid. Noob. Well, can I say as well, did you did you see this story? I did put it up in the show notes, but I don't think we ever talked about it, but there was a uh, somebody bought a copy of Animal Crossing for the GameCube secondhand. And when they got it home and opened the packaging and opened it up to have a look, obviously the kid who'd, who'd owned that game, there was a piece of really hand, like really childlike handwritten uh, cheat codes and stuff on this huge, massive piece of A4 paper inside it. Nice. And, it and it had all of the, like, and, and tips to play the game and stuff you needed to do and, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. And I think it was, I, I included uh, that when I sent my PS2 to Sean Anderson because it was like, uh, the Simpsons skateboarding, I think. There were certain cheat codes where you could unlock all the boards or something, and I think I included those. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, had you ever done that? Because obviously this kid had taken ages. Just, right, these are obviously for either for himself or for whoever got the game next, you know what I mean? He'd made sure they could, uh, yeah. they could get it and oh, everything. It's a good place to keep your cheat codes right yeah. in the game. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I recently saw my, my Gears of War 3, and I wrote loads of spoilers on the cover and the disc. <laughs> Is that what you did? I said, take that. No, you did. Uh huh. I I nearly committed a huge faux pas this week. Is this story time? Sort of. Sort of story time. Story, story, story time. Sort of, sort of. Sort of. And I I didn't do it, but I was so close to doing it. Um, But as you know, Journey's out next week. And it's, it's currently got ninety. God. And it's currently got ninety-two at. All right, I'll stop. It's currently got ninety-two at Metacritic at the moment. So, I mean, now, to be fair, what did Flower have? Oh, I can't remember. Can't you gotta remember. be fair. I'll find it. Go ahead. Well, Tell your little story. Uh, but ninety-two, so it's it's doing well. It's got lots, of, and that's based on thirty-six reviews, and it's got lots of ten out of tens, and all. You know, all that kind of good stuff. So it's getting great reviews, and everyone's saying it's brilliant. Although it's only two and a half hours long, apparently. It's quite short. Sorry, what does it have on Metacritic? 92. It's got... Flower has 87. Yeah, so it's doing better than Flower. So it sounds like if you like Flower, you'll love uh, yeah. Journey. Yeah. And, well, and yeah. G- Jesus is and 90, so it's, so it's better than yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing is... <laughs> what happens if you put Jesus in the Metacritic? Go ahead, Stu. The thing is, 
if you are a PlayStation Plus member, you can get it tomorrow rather than have. <laughs> and I've been very tempted, even just to get the ninety-day pass, just so I can get it tomorrow. But then you see, because then I could get it played and out of the way before Mass Effect Three on Friday. You see. Oh yeah, because two hours is so far. I know, I know. But but I resisted temptation. It was close. I've got to say, I nearly did it. But then when I look, I thought, how much is that? So I went to have a look, and it's like eleven quid. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm not going. I'm not going to. You know, res- I'm going to resist. I'm not going to succumb to its temptressness. And you also knew that me and Dick would rip the shit out. I know, I know. So I was like, you know what? I do want to try it. Like, I want to give this game a fair chance. It, it, I no, could not, see, I'd have not, some potential. Not for boring the just game, for, but just jumping just the for gun. caving in. Yeah, just yeah, yeah right. In. Well, of course. Well, there has there has been comparisons to Eco. You know, there's people making that sort of comparison. Oh, <laughs> there are. There are, but uh, what a lot of people, what a lot of the critics are saying is that it only gets really cool when you come across somebody else. It's it's cool, but then it changes when you when you come across someone else in the game. That's when it gets like really cool. And he said even even trying to communicate with them because obviously you can't speak to them and it doesn't tell you who they are and you have no idea what the gamer tag is or any sort of personal information. Bag them. And you can what? Sorry, no. You can probably teabag them if you tried. I'm guessing. Well, I'm in. Form. If you can teabag them, I'm in. If not, forget it. Um, but what they're saying is, you you can sort of communicate, but using the song stuff in the game and and gestures and things. Songs, really? Yeah. The the sings the characters. Really? Sings. So, but yes, I'm a, I'm officially character beatbox. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Beatboxing. Hey, but... where's the water? <laughs> I was I was excited before. Now I am very excited. You know, I, oh, yeah. I can't wait to play this now. So, no. yeah, it's a coming. I know it's going to be. I can't believe it's here next week, and you know, and Mass Effect three this week. So, yeah, there's going to be lots of games to play. We're we're hitting the games now, aren't we? Big time. Yeah, we are. Um, but I'm also I'm also interested on on um, definitely looking. You know, uh, getting in on the old binary domain because that's getting quite a lot of good feedback from. Them people i've heard you know did you so, play the demo i did play that well we played the demo at Eurogamer, and i, I kind of enjoyed it <sighs> kind of enjoyed maybe, it maybe i was doing something wrong i hated it yeah i've heard you know i've heard fairly good feedback and it could be one that people miss you know <laughs> so but i'm gonna people that we miss sorry Stu. i got something i need to talk about here um i've been in conversation with someone on twitter and I can't tell if it's really this person or not. Tom Bissell. Nope. Is it a famous person? On a regular basis. Is it? Is it someone famous? Yes. Mm. And Jesus? Uh, is it Jesus? No, it's not. Ooh, who could it be? It's famous to us. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> When you say famous to us, is he he sort of in the gaming world of famousness? He's in our gaming world. We know who he is, but he doesn't know who he is. Chad Warden. Chad Warden. That would be very funny if that was... There's no way that is the real... Well, that's what I thought. Um, Okay, whatever. I I wrote... (laughs) I went bowling last week, and I wrote on Twitter... You know what Chad Warden's favorite alley game is? Bowling! (laughs) Right. And I got a response from him. He's like, Bowling's stupid. It's the PS3, yo. 
I'm like, oh my Not god, really it, him? His okay, all right. Well, <laughs> you're probably right. I don't know what to think right now. His Twitter name is the real Chad Warden, and I wrote yeah. to him saying, "You're a legend on our video game podcast. Can I interview you?" And he wrote back, "What questions can I answer?" And there's a screenshot from him from the video, and you know, it's whatever. Uh, I wrote, could we chat with you over Skype? How about which games you love, your history with games, why you stopped making videos, etc. And he wrote back saying, I don't do videos anymore for personal reasons. It's been a tough couple of years. I feel the YouTube years are behind me. Now I'm just trying to show love to the PS Triple because it's balling. I wrote, I understand. Do you still listen to Fat Joe, 50 Cent? Are there other artists on your playlist these days? What games are you playing? And he wrote, yeah, there are still my favorite artists keeping the rap game strong. I usually play COD, NBA 2K12, AC, ME, other ballin' games. All right, well, you're going to do an interview then? Yeah, it could be him. I know. Like, I would love to do an interview. Now, the fact that he won't do a voice interview makes me kind of suspicious. Like, oh, if this exactly. is someone pretending to be him. I don't, you know, another thing that makes me suspicious. Right. That? Is that his profile picture on Twitter is a picture of his video. Well, yeah, yeah. that's true. And you've also got to think is, right, this is a guy who was quite happy to put himself up on YouTube for the whole world to see, so why wouldn't yeah. he do a voice well, interview? Maybe, I mean, look, if we want to give it the benefit of the doubt, let's, let's, let me argue the possibility that this is him. Suppose he knows people know him from that video, so he'll use a screenshot from that for his profile picture, but well, he got a lot of negative fallout, and as a result, he's like, I'm done making these videos. There's too many haters out there. I'll just keep it real on Twitter. There's, there's no way. Those videos are about what? Okay, they're about six I know, years they're, old. They're old. They're, there's, there's no doubt. There's, there's no way that if, it, if the real Chad Warden was on Twitter that he would use one of those pictures. If he's ashamed of the videos that he put up. And he's I'm not saying up he's a... ashamed necessarily. Just that that was something he did for a while and now he's not. No, I, I don't think yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't it may not it. be him. Anyway, let me just finish the dialogue. Dialogue. Uh, I asked Are we him doing if... a play, Duke? <laughs> Have you seen the <laughs> Kippers for Breakfast and Helga? Um, have you seen the previews of the Wii U? How do you feel about Connect games? And he wrote, "Oh, my Negro," but not that word because he's he's hardcore and street. Uh, whatever, worthless. Wii U look like poor bitch ass iPad and Connect. Bunch of pussy ass Tiger games and shit. Nothing real. All fake. And then I wrote, "Do you ever worry that you may offend people by using the N word so often?" And he wrote, "Never, man. It's a form of expression. I talk how I want to talk. Born and raised in H Town, so I gotta be hood like that. You feel me?" See, that, that does sound like something he'd say. It does, so I don't know. It, it also sounds like something that someone pretending to be him would say. Yeah, exactly. There is another video on Chad Warden's YouTube channel. Where and he doesn't talk at all like that. He doesn't talk at all like that. He's actually quite a normal talking guy, and he yeah. doesn't pretend to be a, a gangster at all. Right. By the way, can I, can I just say, you know, you know the dude we had on last week who was really upset about the Mass Effect 3 yeah. stuff? Yeah. Um, he had quite an interesting video on his channel, because I had a look at some of the other stuff he had on his channel, and he does, he does speak with a lisp, by the way, but I think he was just very angry, so it just came out a bit stronger. <laughs> yeah. um, so he does speak with a lisp, and he does that, but he did, a, he did a, a, quite a touching video about sort of being different and being treated differently, and it was quite, I was quite taken aback compared to sort of the stuff he was getting ridiculed for. Yeah. Um, so it's worth, uh, worth having a look at that. You can't, you can't. I don't feel, feel too much sympathy because he puts himself out there so much. You know, like he makes <laughs> yeah. a video pretty much every week, exposing. I mean, he, I mean, you know, fair play to him. He's he's using what he's got. He's a fat man, all right. 
and he's aware of this, so he knows that he's funny, right? Fat people are, are, are very funny. That's just the way life is, um, even though they don't know it, right? But, like, you know, he, he made a video where he smashed up an Xbox with a rock band guitar, and he's in the streets, and he's in his pajamas, and he's wearing a Batman cape or something. And, you know, he's putting himself out there to look like an idiot, a fat idiot, yeah, right. So if he's going, oh, people are treating me so unfair. It's like, well, you're not doing yourself any favors, to be honest. Like, if you, you know, want to, people should not be cruel. But I also think that, yeah, if you open yourself up to the world, you're going to have to expect a certain amount of stick. Yeah, I, it's yeah. it's it, it's the thing. Like, you know, you, you put yourself on on YouTube. Like, you you got to expect these things to happen. You know, you. Yeah, you, you know, Stuart, you, you're somebody that don't you, you don't really put yourself in front of a camera too often. Um, oh no, that's that is true. And whereas me and Duke, we're we're not so fussed about it really. And it's just you know, we we kind of if we did something as silly as that person did on on YouTube, we wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, well, obviously we're not you know fifty stone or whatever, but you, you got to expect a bit of internet backlash. That's just the way it is. Just yeah, do expect. It is true. I mean, we get it all the time. Everyone, people making fun of me. Oh, Americans, such an idiot. I hate him. I want to set his house on fire. No, that's that's just me and Chini. Oh, okay. <laughs> no one makes fun of me unless unless you've been hiding emails from. Yeah, well, that's true. Have you seen how big Chini is, though? You would have. You would have. You would have made fun. He's a big guy. He's tall. He's tall and yeah. stuff. Trust. If, if you, I mean, you'd be lucky to talk to me, to be honest. Because that's I, right. Very, very hard to get my time. Well, it's not only that uh, you have to sort of shout up to your hat. No, it's because I'm a diva. Because uh, that I is don't true. People more time. That is true. Um, video games. We should talk about those. Fuck oh, Because I've got I've got a huge list of stuff to talk about. So we'll come to Duke first and oh, see what yeah. he's got to talk about. Yes, I have many things to talk about. Actually, no, I don't. Um, I would like to talk about Nexus. Nexus. Yeah. Do you know? I, I was. What the? Do you know? I was like, because we've all been trying to pronounce it. Even even Murphy's Law, he was trying to pronounce it some weird way. We're on Nexus or Nexus or all. It's Nexus, right? And I assume the reason that it's spelt in such a weird way is because it's probably trademarked for something else. Oh yeah, <laughs> so they spell it with a different letter. That it doesn't, doesn't spell Nexus at all. That no, no matter what way you look at it. Anyway. Jesus. It's- Let's talk about the game, because really, yeah. we should judge this game on the quality of the gameplay, not on the silly marketing trick of its name. So let's talk about the actual content of the game. Um, Piece of take away all the good things about Halo, and you got this game. It is. It's more. It's more. I think it's more akin to Unreal, that sort of twitch shooter, very fast, fast-paced, floaty sort of movement. But yeah, but the maps are too wide open. For it it to is. Be, I mean, the thing about Unreal is that the maps are small, so you can have that frenetic action going all the time. Absolutely, and that's the problem with this game. I was just going to say because you know, I like Unreal. I like those really fast and quake. You know, those really fast first-person shoots, and, I, and I'm pretty good at them. I'm, you know, this I just could not get to grips. And it was like one dude. I must have shot him uh, like six, seven, eight times, oh, yeah. and he didn't die. Major oh, bullet sponging, and yeah. And oh. When I shoot the enemy, it's major bullet sponging. When they shoot me, it's one shot, one kill. And I don't know how that can be true for two different people in the same game, but apparently it is. Yeah, well, that happened to me as well. So that, at least that's not just me that had that problem. <sighs> but we don't it doesn't even deserve our time to talk about. I don't even know how this became a, a part of the you know the house party stuff because he's nowhere near the quality of the other games in this. It really isn't like the quality of anything they should be promoting. 
No, it's it's pretty, and it's on Crytek, isn't it? So CryEngine yeah. three. I saw that. I was like, made possible with the Crytek engine. I'm like, really, really? Yeah, CryEngine three. Really? Um, whatever. We had the Good. PS Triple Uncharted three playdate. The PS Triple. I ain't talking about that. We. And that was a lot of fun. We got uh, three people, Tuscan 77 and SKX Nemesis and Chris MJW. And we had a right good bash on, uh, we did a private game first, but man, two-on-two just isn't very much for Uncharted 3, so we lost. Oh, did you lose? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Chris and Nemesis were really good. And Tuscan's good, too. Like, Tuscan was clearly pulling the two of us along, and I was just occasionally getting a kill here and there. But uh, it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, there's, it's, I think, more bullet spongy than Uncharted 2, uh, but whatever. It's fun. And I bought the online pass because I didn't realize until GH Rocker sent me a message. <laughs> hey, hey, did. I did. No trial. See? Told you should have done Killzone 3, uh, Killzone 3 for free. Yeah, I know. But whatever. I had already decided Uncharted 3, so. We'll do, we'll do Killzone 3 in the future. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, anyway, that was fun, and we're going to do Modern Warfare 3 this coming Sunday, so... Get ready, people. The 11th of March, 6 p.m. UK time. Uh, It'll be fun. And... What else? I was playing Kingdoms of Amalur. Oh, I played a little um, um, poker with DeSaint and Dino. That was fun. And, uh, anyway, yeah, Kingdoms of Amalur. Oh, I also played some Skyrim and Modern Warfare 2, whatever. Kingdoms of Amalur. A um, <laughs> couple of things that I want to complain about. And I'm still having a lot of fun with it. I thought I might hit the wall by this point. I'm 30 hours in. I haven't hit the wall. It, it is starting to feel a little repetitive, but then again, I have a higher tolerance for uh, repetition in games than most people. I'll tell you, I've done something with Kingdoms of Amalur I can't remember ever doing before in a video game ever. Okay, what was that? I switched the difficulty to hard. Wow. <gasps> I know, right? It's because it doesn't it, involve bullets, so you'd be yeah, fine. <laughs> I don't have any ammo to run out of. And I wasn't even using my health potions. That's the thing. Like, I have, I think, 60 health potions right now. I never use them during a fight. So finally, I was like, you know what? Maybe this is too easy for me. So I switched wow, it to wow. hard. And it's, it's harder. I mean, I might switch it back. I don't know. There were a couple of fights when I was like, damn, I can't do anything. Because in addition to the enemies themselves just having, like, you know, taking more hits, it seems like when you put it on hard, whereas if you fight with three enemies that, like, throw fire at you, they'll maybe one of them at, one at a time will do it. but Or they'll all do it at once, and you'll take a lot of damage from that fire blast if you can't dodge it. But once they've thrown the fire they have to sort of reload their mana or you know get more fire ready or whatever it is and you can wail on one of them when you put it up to hard they stagger their fire attacks so as soon as you dodge one the next one hits you with a fire attack and then you sort of try to dodge that or you get hit by it then as soon as you recover the next person hits you with a fire attack so it's an interesting way of changing the difficulty not just in terms of the numbers but how the enemies work yeah i mean i've heard i've heard a couple of other podcasts where they've talked about um, getting to a certain level when you get leveled up enough that you, yeah. you're sort of so badass, nothing can touch you. Right, and I kind of like that, especially if I know that I will soon be going to another area of the game where there are harder enemies. And I think that's going to happen, but I also think that a lot of people, especially if you do a lot of the side missions, you get to that leveled up badass stage pretty quickly, so you don't. it's not a big deal when you go to do the actual story missions. Whatever. Um, one thing I noticed that's annoying is I can't look all the way up. 
at one point I was in this environment that was very pretty and I wanted to look around more, but I couldn't look all the way up. There's this, you know, the camera like stops when you get, you know, a certain angle. And I was like, what's up with that, man? I paid for this world. I want to look at all of it. Fair enough. Uh, there were a couple of instances where I had camera in the ground syndrome. You know, there's like tearing at the edges and like the camera was like just showing me a close up of the underside of the terrain or something. Yeah, and I was like, what's up with that? That's not cool. Um, but it, it doesn't happen much. You, so you usually only get that when you sort of back yourself into a corner or something, don't yeah, you? And then you and get it, that it overlap. This game, but it is a little bit, and it's annoying. I was like, that seems like something. I mean, it seems like a kind of simple mistake. Like you don't see that much in AAA games. But oh, I don't know. Uncharted suffered a little bit from that. Yeah. Uh, and three did, and a couple of places in three, I ended up with that. If I got in a corner somewhere, and I could right. suddenly see the outside and the inside at the same time. Right. And I guess it's weird, obviously, when that happens. But if it's a building, to me, that doesn't seem like such a huge deal because you're looking at a building, right? Whereas if it's like a fantasy ground, then the underside's like purple sometimes or whatever it is. So it's just it seems extra disorienting when yeah. it's yeah. the terrain that you're looking at. Whatever. Um, I, and, and the other thing I noticed is it's a lot like Sacred 2. I've said that. Christopher Matthews said that. Other people have said that. But I realized that the big advantage of this game over Sacred 2 is that you can pause this game. I had totally forgotten until last week. You couldn't pause Sacred 2. There was no way to pause it at all. As soon as you started it, it was just running and it would keep running. Now, fortunately, if you were in a city, then you were almost certainly not going to get attacked by anything. So it was as good as pausing. But, um, yeah, I, re- I recognize the enjoyment of being able to pause. And that was nice. Yeah, and Dark, Dark Souls does that. Dark Souls, you cannot pause that game either. Yeah, well. Just whatever That's you it. do, and it keeps on going. Is that it? That's it. Well, shall I go next, and then we'll finish off with Chini at the end? Video because game. I've got I've got a lot to get through. Um, go ahead. Yes, Nexus demo. We've talked about that, and I don't want to talk Ugh. about it anymore because it was Piece it was of shit. It was pretty crap. Um, but yeah, the Independent Games Festival um, have showcased all of the games on OnLive, all the, the nominations for the best indie games of this year, mm. uh, which is kind of cool. And the ones they put on are Atom Zombie Smasher. Uh, Be Good, Dear Esther, Dust Force, English Country Tune, Frozen Synapse, FTL, Loom, Nitric Rush, Once Upon a Space Time, Pop, Space Chem, To the Moon, which is excellent, and I've played that before, um, but I played it on the PC, uh, and Turin, and Way. So those are those are the games that are on live, and I think they should do more of this kind of stuff because it's kind of cool that they're doing this. Um, but obviously, Dear Esther, I've been really sort of interested in anyway. So when I saw that was on there, I was like, excellent! I'm going to give this a go. Dear Esther, in essence, is not a game. It's it, it's hard to sort of describe it as oh, a game is it, man? because you cannot interact with anything in the game world. You can't pick anything up. You can't do anything you can't push buttons you can't turn knobs you can't open like doors journey. no a journey will have a lot more game than this um the only interaction with the world that you have is walking around this island and obviously going to different locations within it and like mist yes it's a little it reminds me of mist a little bit and and lost obviously is the other thing it reminds me Not of lost the video game no no lost the lost the tv <laughs> show Okay. Because basically, what when you get so you'll Why get is there are a lot of a lot of questions raised and none of them answered. Or pretty much at the oh, beginning, okay. I played the first. Obviously, you get a half an hour demo, and the great thing about it was when I got oh, to you buy it for a dollar. 
Yeah, when, not until you make that new account, Stu, eh? I know, yeah. When I got when I got to the end of that half an hour, I wanted to carry on and find out, you know, what the story was all about because it is That's very. It was very well narrated, and what he does, he's quite clever, really. So you'll get to a landmark, say, on the island, and then that'll trigger some narrative. So that's basically how it works. And so it's it, like a tourist guide, sort of. But like a walking tour of an island. This is the mountain so, where something happened years ago. Take a look at the mountain. Thank you. It, that's you like Ross Noble doing the Dalai Lama. It uses brilliant... The music is excellent. Very eerie, very sort of creepy. And it uses quite good incidental noises. So there was like a bit, for instance, where I went into a stables and there was like a kidney bowl on the floor with some... Here is the stables where Jesus was born and here's his <laughs> kidney bowl. No flash photography. With, with some obviously surgical instruments covered in blood and stuff and then some sort of weird wailing noise started. You know, and it was pretty... The wailing noise you hear is the sound of Jesus. Creepy. It's a little bit... Jesus making a very popular uh, turn up in tonight's podcast, everyone. Stay tuned for more antics. It's a little bit pretentious, and it's a little bit wordy. You know, he's trying to be very sort of clever. So like, the complete opposite of this episode of The, the Veteran Game. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it looks beautiful. I mean, the the way they've used the engine. Is... So, 10 out of 10 for Stu. 10 out of 10. But no, I was really... I, as soon as it... Apparently, they're going to be available for sale this week. All they had were the demos. And once the, the, like the game's festival starts, they'll put them on sale so you can actually buy them. And I'll be buying this and To The Moon are the two I'll probably pick up. To The Moon, uh, Alice. To The Moon. So I played that. And then the other one, and, and this one I'll possibly pick up, dependent on price, uh, played a car game called Nitronic Rush. And Nitronic Rush. It, it is brilliant. It's one of the best sort of driving games I've played in a long time. Is it better than San Francisco Rush? Oh, I've, I just think it's brilliant. It's, it looks like Tron. So it's all neon and sort of really crazy graphics. Uh, brilliant. That, that's a good excuse to play some Daft Punk music there. Oh, I was just going to say it has some fantastic driving house music. So really sort of beaty, really cool music, right, to, to play to. Um, but the game itself is like sort of punishing. So basically you play level after level and each level gets increasingly more difficult than the previous level. Uh, and there's a sort so it's, of... It's, it's hard to play? No, it begins off fairly easy and then okay. gets slowly more difficult. So, it, like, you get, like, the last level I played before the demo ran out, I played it for a full half hour, and the last level I played before the demo ran out was, like, crazy circular saws going across the racetrack and vortexes and all sorts of crazy stuff. And it, it turns the, the standard game mechanics of a racing game completely on its head because you have the standard racing, you have the standard nitro, you know, to make you go faster. But on top of that, you can fly. I believe. So you can fly as well, and you can jump. We don't need roads. So you can jump as well, so you can actually jump. And obviously all the obstacles in your way require those mechanics to overcome. And you said it was like pounding house music too, huh? It does. It does. Just like that, it's very similar. So yeah, excellent. You know, apart from Dear Esther... That and obviously to the moon are the, the three that I think you know those three are the best of them. Um, I played another game called uh, Turin or Turin. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Is it about the Shroud of Turin? No, it's very weird. Uh, Is it about Turin and Ireland? No, you... 
It was close, like it dear was Esther. Proper strain. No, you started off as a baby. And Welcome you, to the touring of this island. You had to control a baby and interact with stuff. Fallout three. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was a bit louder, but the controls were a bit wonky and it didn't feel very sort of like when you're a baby and you don't know how to walk well even no but then you change into a child so it sort of flits forward in time and you're a child might say you grow into a child yeah well you're pretty much a baby (laughs) then you're a child (laughs) american werewolf in london when it's like "Ah!" it doesn't seem to be any intervening years but it was very arty and it just i don't know it didn't it didn't really work but it worked better more than meets the eye it worked better you never see you never you never see a grown up kid. And you go, wow, look how you flipped. Yeah, <laughs> very odd. But then it was thanks to it was better than the next one, which was called Once Upon a Space Time, which was a cool concept, but yeah. I just couldn't get it to work. I couldn't. I could sort of do it, but then I couldn't understand how you triggered stuff. So it was sexual innuendo. It was a like flower, right? In some respects, because it was a very sort of. It, it started off as a dark sort of background and stuff. Yes. But then you had to interact with the plants and stuff, and you had to, when you sort of, and you're constantly sort of dancing like a waltz, right? So you just, characters just spinning around. Right. Merge Dance Dance Revolution with Flower. Ooh, I'm in. Yeah, and then as you go past sort of plant, and it sort of lights up for a second, but you have to slow yourself down, but you can't stop. So you have to try and get him to sort of hover on the spot and then interact with him, and it lights up. And you can do this across the level. But there's a woman to dance with, but I could not for the life of me. Sort of, I, a couple of times I got her to highlight a bit, but I just couldn't stay still for long enough to get her to move. You couldn't dance with a woman? No, yeah, I couldn't dance with maybe, a woman. Maybe it's just... It'd be funny if you ended that sentence with, I just couldn't get her into bed. <laughs> I tried so eventually, every... I just got pissed off with it and went, right, that's it, I can't be bothered anymore. So just Later, like, baby! Just like picking up a woman. You can't dance with them, so you just got pissed off and went. Yeah, I just got, yeah. Now, the next one, Dust Force, this was excellent. Really great game. Um, very interesting platformer. So it's a bit of a puzzle platformer. And the, the main character has a brush. So you're basically brushing up leaves, if that makes any wow. sense. Wow. Platformer where you're brushing up leaves. Yeah. And, and the character... <laughs> keep on coming. You have a character that also has a hoover, if you prefer a hoover to a brush. Tell you what, the upgrades on this game are fantastic. But, basically, wherever there's leaves is where you can interact with the environment. So, if there's leaves on the ceiling, and you sort of jump up and brush, you can sort of go across the ceiling to wherever the leaves stop. So, it acts like a bit of a magnet type thing. So you I know they're going for microtransactions in this game. I'm going to buy a push broom, then I'm going to kick ass on this game. Yeah, leaf blower, 200 points, all right. I'm going to shovel. It's a nice, really nice graphically, really worked well. The mechanics, difficult to master, though, I have to say. You know, it, One of the three best Leaf games I've played this it, year. No, I think it's good, this. So Dust Falls, definitely have a go at that if you've got on live. Uh, Be Good, this was a bit odd. This was like Claymation. Very strange yeah. game. Um, I remember that fighting Claymation game back in the day. Oh, that was horrible. Well, this, isn't, this is just weird, though, because it's not. It does, it's not like a game. It's like art i guess it's like telling the story of this lad growing up from being this again he starts off as a baby and then you you sort of go through his life living at home and him doing stuff and it's kind of cool like fun to me it's kind of cool but interesting but not really a game it's not really a game yeah you could the the interaction was very minimal so very the next one people get mad at indie games man because it's like oh i want to see what this game has to offer and it's like not a game you're like yeah but they're interesting though these were interesting and then 
This one is one of the the very high rated ones. I know this has got a lot of sort of uh, high ratings on Steam. Yeah, Frozen Synapse. And thought about this. Yeah, I can imagine that people would really like this, but it is completely not for me. I could not even begin to get my head around what the fuck I was supposed to be doing. I had no idea. It's it's a note to the listeners: Stuart doesn't swear very often. But yeah, I don't. But it's like a turn-based strategy game. And I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, I'm doing this. No, I don't get it. I don't know what I'm doing. And it sort of made sense. But then when I started trying to execute what I was supposed to be doing, I just got killed. I was like, yeah, I don't. And it's kind of cool because you're like raiding, <laughs> you're raiding a building and you've got to like, you know, get all your people. And it's really weird because you, you set everything up and then you press play and then it plays out. And, and obviously they make their moves, but you don't know what moves they're going to make. So it's sort of a bit you've got to sort of think ahead to what they might do and how you con like you know chess con- or go yes. i think you would like this duke i think this will be right up your street but it definitely wasn't for me yeah i might give it a go at some point it's one of those games i keep seeing that like, come into contact with steam steam always has it on sale so yeah i expect well, someday i'll see it and it'll be like on steam 50 cents i'll be like well shit why not play this yeah it's, it's a big props. She. big props so yeah I'm, I'm guessing if you're into that sort of strategy game you'd probably really like this but video game for me wasn't for me um played a load of dead island on saturday night with Hawkson again um what? People dying everywhere. That's the trailer. It is the trailer. Um, I'm really liking this. It's getting better and better. You know, we're it's good in it. Yeah, good. concentrating on the story stuff. So we've just been. In... <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, well, it's good though. We're liking that. Hey, there's it? zombies around. No way. Let's go to this place. <laughs> cool. How do we get off? We need to go to this place now. Fuck yeah. yeah. You you almost get overawed with the sheer amount of side missions. Because every speeded is like hundreds of them. Yeah, the reason it's also like, um, oh, can you go back to that place? It's like those fucking zombies. Yeah, zombies. yeah I mean, go away. You do it. What do you do? You just stand here all day. You do it. But we had GH Rocker and he had some cool weapons. So uh, he... I think I think I briefly played with GH. No, he wanted to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we played some randoms, and the the coolest thing that we picked up with a random guy was this baseball bat. That basically hits them 20 feet uh, across the map and electrocutes them at the same time. Yeah, I think he had something similar to that. He was definitely electrocuting people. He had some of that was electrocuting and then sort of boosting them and stuff. So, But he he was quite hard, so it was cool to have him along because he was helping us out, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was good. But this week, oh. I finished Catherine. It is done. Ooh. That game is done. Um 15, well done, sir. 15 hours it took me. 15 wow. hours. You can game. never get those hours back. I know. It's a big game. It is a big game. Uh, and I can imagine if you put it on anything harder than very easy mode, which, which I obviously had it on, it would take you a lot longer. How many of those hours, Stuart, are cutscenes? Not a terrible amount. It doesn't really do cutscenes it does but they're not like your normal japanese the end ones were quite long the you know the final cutscene at the end was probably about six minutes you know the very final story cutscene but the actual during the game not too many cutscenes really because you can interact in most of them like when you're in the bar you know you're interacting and going getting how many hours was that you staring at women's pictures in the toilets of this game not very often because you only send you send you about five in the game 
Send you back. So that's five hours. Something like that. And they're not that revealing, really, to be honest. They're not that racy. You know, well, they're in, it's interesting. Um, the thing I would say is the, the end thing that happens, okay, sort of when you find out what's going on, what's causing all these nightmares and stuff, mm. it was a little bit of a letdown. Because I thought, I thought the build-up was excellent. I? And I still say the, the voice acting in the game and the dialogue is really well done. And what I didn't realise, it's uh, Troy Baker, you know, who does the lead voice for Vincent, who's uh, going to be the lead in Bioshock Infinite. So it's Bioshock. Just, yeah, but honestly, right, I had a look at all the people in the game just to see what they'd done before. And these people who, who do the voice acting in this game have been in every anime cartoon series you could ever imagine. Yeah. I mean these are these are veteran voice actors. They've been in everything and everything. You know, but it it came through because there were there was no woodenness about them at all. You know, they're all really well acted really and I, I really enjoyed the story. I liked and now I, what I didn't realise there's eight different endings to the game dependent on what you do. So depending on how you play the game and decisions you make and questions you answer there's eight variations on what could happen, and they're all quite distinctly different, to be uh, to be honest as well, which I didn't realise. And what I got a good ending, so I did a good ending in the end with the choices I made. But I went online just to look what the other endings were, and they are all distinctly different. So I was quite impressed with that. And there's good endings, bad endings, and indifferent ones. So it all depends on that on the meter at the end. Um, but overall, I loved it. I really enjoyed it, you know, and I, I never got bored. Um, and what I found was, and I don't know whether it was just me getting used to the block puzzles and getting better at it, or whether the way they paced the game towards the end, the block puzzle seemed shorter somehow, not quite as long as some of the earlier levels and easier. But whether that was just me getting better at doing them. I don't know, but I didn't struggle at all towards the end. I, I barely used any of my retries a couple of times, but not terribly often. But I would recommend to anyone who wants to just enjoy the game and the story, because you still get a challenge on very easy mode. Don't get me wrong, it, it isn't easy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely worth playing. I liked it. You know, if you like a, you know, a story and it's quite mature and, it's, and it's, uh, there was a shocking moment where I was quite taken aback and wasn't expecting what happened. So that was kind of cool. Uh, so it's a bit, of, and it's it's got a bit of a fatal attraction flavour going on. Roy Baker was also the voice of the uh, kind of first male protagonist, Caucasian voice one in Saints Row the Third. That is true. That is wow. true. He's done a lot of stuff. He has done a, an awful lot of stuff. And obviously, he's going to be in Bioshock Infinite. So he's uh, he's Resident a, Evil Six as well. He's a prolific uh, prolific voice actor. Is in World of Warcraft. He's in everything. I mean, seriously, the people in this game are in everything. Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 3. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. But, again, I can't, you know, it it is not going to be for everyone, as Duke has sort of made quite evident. But if you like a game... Not for everyone! A little bit quirky, with a really good story, and, you know, the payoff's payoff's not as great as I would have hoped. But it was still kind of cool. I was still fine with it. Uh, And the ending was good. I liked the ending. You know, I enjoyed it. It was good. Good game. So, yeah, recommendation there for you. Uh, and that's it for me. So, Chinny, on to you. I have been playing a game called Deus Ex. Yeah, on to you, Chinny. Yes, I was, just, I was just getting to that. You, you kind of sport my flow. But never mind. I've been playing a game called Deus Ex. Yeah, you've done it again. Um, wow. You know, this is, this is getting awkward now, Duke. I've been playing a game called Deus Ex. Okay. Human Revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Is that your no use for it, is it? <laughs> hey, that reminds me. John Oliver did a segment on The Daily Show recently where he did just noises about the Republican candidates for president. I'll pass it on to you because I know you like John Oliver. I do. Anyway, so my review, talk, my review uh, noise. Uh, well, oh, uh, how are you doing it? You've got to do it again. <laughs> Ow. 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 I'm saying. Right. So my review noise for this game is... Ugh. Uh, and the reason for that is... It's a kind. It's kind of rough around the edges. This game, um, I'm not. I'm not loving it as much as I started out to because uh, the structure's all fucked up. Yep. Uh, I, I mentioned last week on the overseas connection. I start. I did a mission right where I was stealthy all the way through because that was kind of one of the bonus things about it. And I got to the end of the mission, and there was a helipad at the top. All right. And I was like, well, it looks like a helipad should, a helicopter should come down and pick me up, but no, guess not. You see, I remember, is that the mission where you have to go and you go through quite a few big areas and through a tunnel and there's some like concrete pipes and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely get, I definitely got picked up by a helicopter. Ah, well, this mission. is the thing. This is the thing, Stuart. Um, so I still had another mission to do. So I did this mission and it was kind of like a, an introduction to the store at the limb clinic. And I did that, and it was basically go to the store and know that it exists, right? Yeah. Then I had to go back through that whole mission again, stealthy again. Bear in mind, I had to go back out of it, go back in to get to that helipad, right? And also, the pacing's all screwed up, because you go into the game, and you do a couple of tutorial missions, and then, you th- then it opens up, and you go, great, it's an open kind of do-what-you-want game, brilliant, fantastic. Oh, no, it's not. Right? No, it ain't, because you do some stuff, and then all of a sudden that open world, zoop, gone, right? And then you do, you do, um, you do, you go to Tokyo and stuff, and then that's a different open world. And then you do after the Tokyo mission, you do this mission, and my god, it took me three hours, like, and it was just one linear mission, and there's no idea of when it's going to finish. Should I stop here? It just drags on for so long. It's it's a you have to take over a TV station, and it just went on and on and on, and it was so boring. Right. Can I can I ask you what did you think? How weird was it when you go to Tokyo, but it's all the same voice actors for the incidental all the same voice actors. <laughs> is that, how weird is that? You go off a helipad <laughs> straight to the street, and the first thing you see is this American guy going. Hey, you know, check out the Hayes Bar. It's pretty cool. And then, you know, like the the people doing it like a, like a Japanese accent aren't even trying that hard. No. Right? You know, it's just barely. I mean, it it doesn't feel like you're in Japan. It feels like the helicopter picked you up from Detroit, <laughs> I think you're in, and then just took you about three miles down the road into Chinatown or something like that. And I know, I know it's Japan, but it, it really is that bland and boring. Um and it's just like, what's the point? What is the point? You just sort of just made one consistent I found myself world. asking that question a lot while I was playing that game. And, it, you know, the, the, the TV station level is just boring. And I just feel like they've made it difficult to be a third. Because, you know, it gives you the, this choice. This is the choice. All right. And everybody's under this illusion that choice is a good thing sometimes. And And... You know, it gives you this choice of, like, you can go one way or you can go another. And there certainly are alternative routes in these maps. But maybe if I want my choice to shoot the shit out of everything, right? Amen, dude. That, that, like, 
I, I don't mind sneaking around now and again, but if I like, sometimes I just go, you know, I can't be bothered. I just want to shoot this room up, right? Because there's two guys over there. I can take them. No big deal. But if I do that, you die very easily, and I've, they've purposely made it very difficult um, to to make the game kind of make you force you into stealth. And it, you know, Splinter Cell, I felt like I could hold my own in a gunfight. If a gunfight kicked off, it's Splinter Cell conviction. I felt like, you know, okay, well, everything's gone to shit, but I can either go and hide pretty easily and feel kind of not cheated by it, or have a gunfight and hold the gunfight and it'll be cool and satisfying and I'll get everyone. With this, I mean, you can hide pretty easily, but the gunfights aren't that great. The enemy AI are so forgetful and stupid. They, they are, they, I mean, if I was paying these guys, I would be pissed off if I was their gaffer. I was like, you know, you've just seen, you, first of all, you could either kill somebody or knock them out, right? I knock somebody out, right, three times. Because if somebody else discovers him, they wake pick him up. up. Yeah, they right? wake him up. And he's kind of woke up and gone, oh, uh, well, I'll just, I'm just going to keep walking up and down. I'm assuming that was a blackout. Whatever, no big deal. And I'll knock him out again. I'm like, this is just stupid, right? Well, so, it had that weird... I mean, that's what took you out of the game a little bit, because you could do that to a bloke, and you could come back two hours later, and he would still be knocked out in the exact yeah. same spot, you know, and it would never come round. <laughs> I just feel like, okay, great. And then the game takes you back to Detroit, because I didn't finish off some of the, the side quests. You see, I didn't get that far. I got as far as Tokyo, and then I was I was meant to go to a nightclub to meet some dude or find some Yeah, guy. well, I'm past there, and they the mission after that... The mission after that, Stu, is so long and tedious. It's ridiculous. Did you play this on the PS3, by the way? Stuart? I did, but I'll never... That's the problem, you see, because it was on my oh, on that broke. So yeah. I, can't... I was trying to look how far you got on your achievements yeah. when I was like, oh, you must have played it on the PS3. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, then you, then you go... I mean, the mission you've yet to do, Stu, is just the worst. Then after that, you go back to Detroit. So the first open area that you go to, that you started off in, you go back there, where all the side missions that were there are gone... And new open, new areas are open. You go to the LA Convention Center, and it's just like it's just getting, it's just dragging. There's no sense of pace. It's a long no game, sense. though, isn't it? Because even to get to that point is a fair amount of game. I mean, but like, I mean, you go in thinking, okay, this is an open world game. Okay, great, this is an open world game, and I'll, I'll now and again they'll fly me off to an hour-long mission and then send me back. But the the TV station was three hours, and most of it was just going in a room clearing it out or going to a room speaking to somebody and then get ambushed and then clear it out and it was just dull you see just it does, dull it's... no reason to make it that long no there reason. isn't no, i'm with you no. but, but it doesn't know that it does a bit of a me- you know a metroid thing doesn't it because there are certain areas in the cities that you can't get to unless you've got certain abilities well you'd think that but the, the, there's, there's certain areas that you can't go to, but there's other ways around it. For example, there's an alley that you can't go down because it's electrified. Now, the only way through that electrified alley is if you get an augmentation of um, your legs and shit, right? And you could just like walk through electric and all of a sudden the electric doesn't hurt you. Or, because I got pissed off and I didn't really know how to do it, I looked on, on the internet because the game was doing my head in. You can go through this police station and there's a back door. There is. You know, Can I just ask you, when you did these, there was the, a short, the schematics of, uh, of the multinational corporation that's sending you around. <laughs> Can I just ask you, though, uh, you know the police station thing? How, how did you go about getting in there? Did you sneak in? Did you talk your way in? Did you shoot your way in? What did you do? I just talked to the receptionist. What, you mean the morgue? 
Yeah, when you have to go to see the body. I just went, look, receptionist guy. Yeah. Fucking let me in. And he was like, oh, you, you let me down last time. I was like, just let me in. And I mean, I know there's some spoilers here, but really, people, it's not that good of a game. I'm, I'm a little disappointed because it started out quite good. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Open world game, all right. A bit like Mass Effect. Um, you know, it's, it's dragging. I mean, Mass Effect had some... It definitely has a start, middle, and end. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I always recognise the start, middle, and end of Mass Effect. And you know when you're in the middle of the game. You know when you're at the end. When the end's coming up. With this, it's just like I, I, you know, even in the missions, even in, in a, on a smaller scale, you know when a mission is you know in the middle, and you know when it's going to end and building up to something. These missions just drag. I mean, you go into a room, you clear it out. You go into another room, you clear it out. You you know you hack this shit, and the hacking game, my god, that's boring at first because you know, like first of all, it's very hard to understand. Once you understand it, it's kind of boring anyway. See, I thought that was kind of cool. I like the hacking oh, game shit. compared to a lot of hacking games. Uh, I mean, it's way it's play. way better than Pipe Mania than uh, Bioshock. Well, that doesn't that's not a high bar to clear. I agree with Chinny on this one. That that mini game was stupid. It was fine. I, I was rather worse. play Pipe Mania than this game. I really would. I Although really... I didn't, I didn't mind the the one in in Mass Effect. You know where you had to match up the data. That was that was fine. I don't care. I, I, I really I don't mind Pipe Mania. To be honest, I don't I don't know what people's problem is with Pipe Mania, but like <laughs> uh, this 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 hacking game is just like what the fuck have they done here? Like oh, it's just I know it just feels a little so, bit. So how many boss fights have you encountered then? Two. Yeah, so you've done the first two. And how did you find them? Because obviously these came in for a lot of criticism. Because these were developed by a different developer. And the first one was just like bullet sponge, shoot the guy as many times as yeah. you can. Luckily enough, I had a rocket launcher. Yeah, so. I think I did that as well. And even, the, was, even with that, it was still tough. You know, even with yeah, the... Yeah, it was, wasn't too bad. The second boss is just ridiculous because she's this like, you know, lesbian chick or whatever. And she's like, she runs straight at you. And... You have to shoot. You can shoot. You can, if you want, shoot these things on the wall, and it electrify the floor, right? And I thought, kind of, that's what you had to do when she got near them. So I did that, but it electrocutes the whole floor. Doesn't matter where you are. Electrocutes the... you as well. And it electrocutes you as well. And now I've got an augmentation where I don't get electrified anymore because I'm a badass. But back then, you know, I did, and I was like, "How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do it?" But like I looked on YouTube and you can just like shoot her forever. I think and... the problem is with that, right? Because that relies on you having the right augmentation, but you've no idea which one you're gonna need. No, you know, I mean, you can kill her by shooting her forever, which is what I did. You just like go around in circles and just keep shooting her. But what you know? There's no, where's the thing that is, there's no it's like boring. Yeah, really, I'm really let down by it to be honest. I mean, I'll keep playing it because um, you know. I... You see, I'll never go back to it because obviously I lost my save game and I, I can't yeah. bother to play the 15 or 20 hours I got through. Oh, I you know, we've talked about kind of my weird obsession of finishing games. I always like to finish them because I've, I've personally, I know this is kind of silly because I'm critiquing it now and, and contradictory, but I feel like I can't fully judge the game unless I've played the whole thing. Um, and I know that's dumb and not the case and probably, you know, not really true, but. I just feel like if I play the whole game, no one can give me shit for for not liking it or liking it. Because they, if they might say, oh, we're about the bit at the end, or, you know, overall, I thought it was great. I was like, no, I played the whole thing. You got nothing on me. The game's wank. 
Right. You see, I had fun with it. I don't. I don't think it was a bad game. I got pissed off on the first boss fight. I thought, yeah, I think that's why it's been let down because oh, why I've been because it does have this like spark of coolness about it. You know, yeah. The aesthetics are nice. I mean, the controls yeah. well. It's just that the other parts of the game are. Eh. I mean, the UI, the the interface. You know, it's it's kind of slick and everything. But the and then you get down to the, the animation and the the biggest thing is the mission structure. The missions are not paced very well like some of them take three hours some of them take one hour and you have no idea going in and you backtrack a lot for no reason and you you just ah oh, just pain in the arse I, one thing i did like is the map so many games get maps wrong and the map is fine and this you know i get a good sense of where i need to go with the map and i just it's i mean yeah the people who made this game made it with love you know what i mean i could tell that they really tried and they really you know tried to make a game that they wanted to make and a lot of time has gone into the art and just just that that mission structure really lets it down. see i don't i don't know i'm sure it was on on the overseas podcast when you were talking about it but somebody said that they weren't given enough money to do it how they wanted to do it and they made the best of what they got and i i get oh, that feeling it's probably right greg said that but yeah i don't know i don't know i i, I just think you know, like they could have done a better job if they cut things out. That's not down to budget. Yeah. They could have cut things out. They could have cut out an hour of that mission that I hated. They could have cut out, you know, some of the stupid, like, the, like you know, the, the helipad thing that I got wrong. Yeah. You know, make those two missions that you have to do mandatory and don't let me do that helipad mission un- until it's the last thing I have to do. And then, obviously, when I do it, you know... I, I, I can move on. Um, you know, things like that. It just it seems like no one sat down and went, okay, what order, what possible order can these people, these missions be played in? And let's make sure that they, they cater for all different orders. They didn't think that at all. They just kind of plonked them all in the game and then just went crazy with it. And it's just, it pissed me off a bit because it, it, you know, it does show signs of a good game. It's a shame. Yeah, I think it, like you say, I do agree. I think it had promise but never, unfortunately, quite got there. You know, I think it didn't quite deliver on what it promised. But, again, I don't think people's expectations were massively high for it, so I think it probably did do better than anticipated, I think, in the end of it all. But, yeah, it's, 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 I agree with you. It definitely has some issues. And, like, my biggest issues, and I know there are aesthetic things, but just the, the goddamn incidental characters just doing the same thing and you walk past them three hours later and they're still breakdancing in the exact same way as they were three hours ago. Oh, don't three. worry. They're not there when you go back. Oh, are they not? Have, no. they, have they actually gone when you go back to Detroit? No, they're still there, but they're doing something else. Oh, are they? Wow, I'm impressed. They're... Different loop, is it, on the second time through? I don't know. Yep, yep. But uh, that, that pissed me off. And the fact that you could talk to them, but what was the point? Because they only had two lines of dialogue that they could say to I you. I never even bothered. I was yeah, like, uh, you didn't I, miss I, anything. You can kind of tell who needs to be talked to. and Well, the easiest way to tell is, if it's a civilian, no. And they, they or say stuff like, officer, no. I love New Detroit City. Or something like that, they would say. Yeah. And that was it. That was all they if would it, say. If it has a first name and second name, you probably should be talking to them. You know, um, just just kind of dumb, really. And like, even the conversation trees, it feels like no matter what I do, um, I'm gonna get the answer anyway. Like, because there's one mission where you have to go up to this guy behind a counter, and the the woman says, "Make sure you say this line because he's a superstitious guy and he's like a code line, right?" And I, I obviously I completely forgot and just went, "Yo, dickhead, where's my stuff?" Right. <laughs> 
And he was like, oh, you're supposed to use the code. You're supposed to use the code. And he's like, oh, I'll meet you inside anyway. But what's the point? What's the point of that then? You should have said no and closed the whole mission off. The, be- so, the best thing you can do in that game, which is always kind of funny, is you know, like you have to pay someone for information or whatever. Yeah. Give them the cash, get the information, then kill them and get your money back. <laughs> oh, I've never done that. I yeah, you can do that. You can do that. There's the whole persuasion thing as well. Like you, you have certain conversations with people. Like there's one way you got to stop somebody from shooting themselves and things like this. And you know, those are cool, but you know, it's not it's not the Krypton factor. It's not very hard to fucking decipher the code, to be honest, because they give you three facts about the person. Like this person gets really gloomy. Um, if he does, make sure you cheer him up, right? And then if the person says something gloomy, guess what? You use the kind of inspire choice. You know, and make them cheered up and everything. Oh, God, it was just like... Cheer them up, man. Cheer them up. It was, I mean, at least L.A. Noir, you didn't really know what to say, right? But this is like L.A. Noir for idiots. It's, you know, if you get these wrong, then, wow, there's something, something going on. I've, I feel like you need cheering up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need that, I need that uh, inspire choice. I need Adam yeah. to... Uh, Adam Jensen told me to be inspired. Or something. I thought you meant like injecting it like in uh, Bioshock. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, that- man! <laughs> um, yeah, okay, well, thank you. Have you played anything else before we move on? Uh, I have not. Okay. Seriously talking about video games? Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, uh, we'll do the indie pick for this week, which is Blocks That Matter, apparently. So let's see what... Uh, yeah. Indie game review. Review. Hello, friends. Vlados here with another indie game review. This week it's Blocks That Matter, an unusual puzzle platformer from Swing Swing Submarine, an independent game development company created by two young and stupid French guys. Seriously, that's what their website says. Read it yourself. Anyway. The premise behind Blocks That Matter is that two Swedish game developers are kidnapped or something, but their drill cube is sentient, and it's supposed to reach them, or whatever. You know what? The story doesn't matter. The point is, you're a cube and you can drill into blocks to harvest their materials. Once you have four blocks worth, you can make a little staircase or whatever you need to reach your goal. It's a nice... Simple concept, and the controls are totally fluid. The graphics are nice and the sound and music really fit the aesthetic. This game rocks. I can't think of anything bad to say about it. What? 240 Microsoft points? Fuck that shit. I'm out like a rainbow trout. No doubt. Ah, yeah. Oh, dear. Getting a little foul-mouthed again. Yeah, and she's got a price issue, actually. 240 points. Now, That's first... The minigame, dude. Don't front. First of all, got to say, this has been... This is quite an old indie game. Like, it came out sort of last year, but we should have done this sooner, really. It's something that I played quite a while ago and I thought, oh, we'll do that, and then never got around to, to doing it. And uh, this is on Steam, and they got 9 out of 10 at Destructoid on the review for it. So... You, you need to be careful what you're saying now because this is this is a very highly acclaimed game, and just to let you know, what I'm supposed to just back off anytime somebody's like, no. "This is highly acclaimed." Just saying. But uh, uh, the two, by the way, you know the two indie devs at the beginning that get kidnapped. Yeah. 
Uh, they're based on Marcus Persson and Alexei, whatever his name is, who made uh, te- so it's Minecraft and Tetris uh, developers they're based on. Oh, so it's a bit tongue in cheek, you see. There's some clever hidden allusions to things. Yeah, not everybody's going to get that. So yeah, that's what that's the two people they're based on, apparently. So uh, let me see. What did you think? What did you think? Um, it's fun. It's good. It works well. It's a nice dynamic. Uh. And I had a good time with it. And when the demo ended, I said, yeah, I'll buy this for 80 points. And then it wanted 240. And I was like, uh-uh, kiss my ass. I'm sorry, but this game is... Oh, there's no way, dude. <laughs> this game is worth 240 points. Maybe, but not to me. <laughs> it's a good game. I'm not going to play it. I'm sorry. Look, it's <laughs> fun enough, but uh, it just Five, didn't compel me to get it's, it. It's $3, Duke. I know how many... I don't know... I know how much 17 pence is! Like Ross Noble talking about the Dalai Lama? Because that's how he talks, the Dalai Lama. He's quite camp. <laughs> Hello there. I'm the Dalai Lama. I'd like to talk to you about Buddhism. And disco! And, if you buy it on Steam, it's $5, so it's $2 more on Steam. So you're getting yeah. a bargain. Well, if I don't buy it at all, it's free, so that's an even better bargain. <laughs> I guess, but it, no, it, it, I thought it was a very good game, I have to say. It is a good game, I'm not going to lie. You know, really good dynamics. Work, like you said, works really, really well. Very yeah. clever, very clever. So, Chini, what did you think? Yeah, I didn't play this, because... <laughs> because... <laughs> I'm a, a, I'm a diva. <laughs> B... Due to an email, thank you, Missy. Uh, an email malfunction. Yeah, uh, basically, when the email came through, I read it and went right. I'll pretend that I read that um, later on because usually I, I, she sends me the email about Friday about what the indie game is, and I go, "Oh, right, I'll deal with that like five minutes before we start." And then um, I looked for the email today about six o'clock, so you know, I wasn't wasn't too. I had plenty of time. And I couldn't find it. I still can't find it. I don't know why. Um, but uh, Stu told me that it was sent from a different email. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think uh, I've got it anymore. That was kind of my fault. I sent it from a different email account that I normally do. So and I do apologize. Time, I knew what the uh, game was. But, but I think you should still play this for next week and tell us what you think. Because no doubt. it's one of the better ones we've, we've reviewed it's a very, recently. Very good game. Yeah, it it is a very good game. It's it's been compared to Super Meat Boy, you know. So it's sort of you know that sort of starts off easy but gets incredibly difficult. Stuart, yes. Is it better than Jesus? Yes, definitely. Because Jesus existed, but he wasn't really a real sort of god. I don't think he died for our sins. How dare you? Well, whatever. You? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. Tell you what, Jesus, he was, he was a Jesus dude, tell you. He was a nice fellow, wasn't he? he just made stuff just, up. Just was very cool. Oh, man, bless him. He did a lot of great things. Um, okay, so what's the name of this game? Uh, blocks That Matter. Blocks yes. That Matter. There you go. Get in that Bing search. I'm Bing. Gonna... We started oh, on Bing. Bing, it. Bing is paying Wiz Khalifa money to advertise their stupid web search engine. And meanwhile, Wiz Khalifa put out a song called Huey Newton that has nothing to do with Huey Newton. I hate Wiz Khalifa. Brilliant. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. as yeah. we know, 
as we know, Mass Effect 3 is coming out this week, as we know. Coming oh, out. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. Now, I don't know what you've looked at. I'll put this story up. You probably haven't looked at it. I haven't looked. So, for that now. We've got, don't look, don't look at it. Don't, Not looking. Don't open it. But I've got Mass Effect 2 statistics, you know, before before this. Just to, just to give you some ideas. Of Are we going to talk about the fact that it's not being sold in-game? or We can do, yeah, we can mention that. But that, yes. there's a lot of games not being sold in-game. <laughs> that's, yes. that's the least oh, of it. Because I've got a bit of a story behind that, you see. Cause I, went oh, well, come to... I know somebody that works at game and I went in and confronted him. I said, fuck it, oh, what's going yeah. on? Well, there's a lot of publishers aren't giving them any games. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's besides the point. We'll come to that in a moment. But here we go. So what do you think was the least played class in Mass Effect 2? One uh, of the stupid ones. What was the least played, do you reckon? Can you remind me of them? No, because I can't remember. It doesn't got those. It. Yeah. <laughs> have a look. Look up. Get get Mass Effect Two from Wiki, and then you can you can answer these questions. <laughs> uh, Mass Effect Two, Google, Wikipedia. Uh, I just want to take this moment in the podcast to, hey, if you're listening, make sure you give us a review on iTunes, and if you're on the YouTubes, check out our YouTube channel, Veteran Gamers. Thanks a lot. Uh, what, I, what I'll do, I'll do the questions you can answer without looking on Wikipedia first, and then we'll come back to the, the ones where you need to look at Wiki. Right, here we go. First one. What was the average completion time for people, do you think? 35 uh, hours. Ooh, 30 yeah. hours. I'll put 30 hours. Oof. And there goes to Duke. It was 33 hours average completion. Oh, uh, yeah. Except it went over, so maybe I shouldn't win. Okay, here we go. Next one. What percentage of players use the face customization system? I didn't know we were doing a news quiz now. Well, it sort of isn't a news quiz, but I just thought I'd ask these as questions if you could guess. Sort of is a news quiz. It sort of is, but it's not really. Sort of is. Shut up. Anyway, what percentage of players use the face customization system? Ah. Uh, uh, 20%. 20%? Chini, what do you think? I think it's higher. I think it's forty percent. Eighty percent of people wow. customize the face in the game. Now, did you? I'm assuming you both did this. Yep. Yep. Oh yep. yeah. Well, I did it in the first one. I just imported my awesome femship into Mass Effect Two. Now, can I ask? Well, obviously, you did. I had to ask. But did Chini? Did you try and make it look like you? Nah. See, I did. <laughs> I spent ages trying to make him look like me. In the You're game. that in love with yourself, huh? Ah, yeah, it was really weird. On every corner. Well, what I'll do, right? Me getting it on with Liara. When when I start playing it, I'll take a picture of it and I'll post it up to see if you think I did a good job of making him look like me. I think, um, <laughs> did you do that thing in um, Rainbow Six where you could put your face on the thing? I was just going to say that the best lookalike character I've made is the Rainbow Six Vegas 2. Like, yeah, but that scans your face, doesn't it? That scans my face, but that well, looks... Yeah. So and soon much like me, neck, and you just smile, and then you become the character. That that looks so much like me. When I got shot in that game, I was kind of like concerned because it looked like I died. Like, uh-huh. I was like, "Wow, that, You've seen that your own death twenty times." That really, I was, I was like, "Wow, that really does look like me." That's amazing. Mm. And I would die like that in real life because I would be shit in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, are you ready for this? What percentage of players played as a male shepherd? I'll say 80%. No. No. Lower because of the lesbian sex scenes. Um, 20%. Okay. 
percent. 40%. 120% now. Duke. 40%. 40%. 40%. Duke, what percentage of people played as a male shepherd? Uh, 70%. 70%. See, Chini, you should have stuck 80%. You were bang on with your first answer. Okay. 80% to play. So well done, Duke. That one's yours. Uh, what percentage of people who started Mass Effect 2 finished the game? 30%. 30%. I'll say 18%. 18 It's not quite a lot, but 50%. Only about half of everyone who started actually got to the end. That's pretty good. That's pretty high, actually. I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. And of those people, uh, how many people imported their save from the original Mass Effect? What percentage of people did? I would say about 60%. Oh, good guess, good guess. Duke? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably sound about that. Yeah, it's 50 again, so about half of all the players who played it imported the character from Mass Effect, so that's kind of cool. And, yeah, what what do you think is the single playthrough longest time that some people played this game for, the average of the longest time that they played it for? 70 million hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, average, the average of the longest. Yeah. Well, it says that there are people who played a single playthrough for this amount of hours, and it's a, oh, okay. it doesn't seem that long to me. I would have thought it'd be a lot longer than this. 200. Yeah, you see, I'd have thought something like that, but it's only 66, apparently. Oh. There's um, not that much to do in Mass Effect 2. Uh, two PC players completed Mass Effect 2 how many times? So this is like, they oh, completed the game a lot of times. I know this. I think um, it's like 25. 25? Duke, any ideas? So, how many times? 38. 38. Why not? 38. You're so close. 28. So, you've got just uh-huh. 28 times. And for Xbox 360 players, completed it how many times? So, how many times did the console players do it? The 21. 21. That's a good guess. Good guess. Duke. 25. 23. So, uh, yeah, you're in the middle there, I think. I think you're both sort of. It's a draw. You know how we settle that? A fight to the death. Fight! <laughs> and uh, final one. Final one. Here we go. Uh, what percentage of conversations were skipped in Mass Effect 2? 70%. 70% of conversations were skipped. <laughs> Gee. Um, 15%. That is, are you looking at this? That is I swear ab- to God, no. <laughs> that is absolutely bang on. Uh, yeah. Apparently players skipped 15% of conversations in Mass Effect 2. Oh, yeah. What do I win? Uh, you don't win sort of anything, but here, here is some other, here is some other things for you. Uh, Sixteen thousand four hundred is the number of Google searches results for "I hate Mass Effect 2. Eighty-one thousand eight hundred the number for "I love Mass Effect 2. So that's good. More people love it than hate it. Uh, 1,940 is the number of Google search results for how awesome is Mass Effect 2. <laughs> 194,000 for Mass Effect 2 romance. And now you're going to get this one. 285,000 for Mass Effect 2 sex. <laughs> yeah. Searches for that. And... Uh, <laughs> Nine for Mass Effect 2 criticism. Only nine results if you if you put that into Google, which is kind of cool. So there you go. Because uh, they can't spell criticism. So what was the class question then? Oh, yeah, sorry. The final two. Yeah, what was the class least played by players? I don't know. I don't even know them. I, I can't find them on Wikipedia. It, so Well, it was Engineer. 
Only oh, okay. that was least. And what was the most played? This one's quite obvious. I would have thought. Soldier. Which it is. Yeah. So I didn't. What did you play as? Soldier. Soldier. <laughs> Duke. I don't remember. <laughs> How did probably you... the probably the soldier then. I go. Probably the soldier. Probably. It was a soldier. So there you go. I was I was thinking about replaying Mass Effect because the thing is I played Mass Effect One with my old game of tag and I had a femship. Right? Right, yeah. And I much prefer the femship yeah, yeah. Uh, voice because it's just way better. Um Bowling. But then when I've when I've replayed Mass Effect One on this game of tag, I played it as a bloke and I want to. I just want to replay it as Fem Shep because she's so much better. I like. I just kind of feel like this guy's a fraud, like the, the guy I'm playing as now. <laughs> you see, it's weird for me because everyone says how good um, the voice acting is for the female Shepherd. Yeah, and obviously, I've never, um, I've never listened to it because I've never played as a female Shepherd because I, you know, created me, you know, or uh, attempted to create me mm. uh, in the beginning. And, um, yeah, I never sort of changed it, so I've imported it into Mass Effect 2, and I can't... Maybe I, maybe I, can, maybe I can blitz through 1 and 2. But, yeah. But, by the way, Alter, just by the way, the class I play as is a Vanguard. That's, Vanguard, that sounds stupid. No, Vanguard's quite cool, because he does, you know, it does biotics, so you can do sort of powers and... Biotics, oh, yeah. Also, I never played as a, like, a Vanguard. I, I never played the cool classes or anything, I just played Soldier, so if I, if I played again, I'll play as Femship. As a kind of the one with the force push. Yeah, Van- Vanguard's quite good because they're quite good at combat as well, but you mainly specialise in pistols. So okay. you, you don't sort of. And a bit. You, yeah, I, I think you do get. Talking about soldiers. Huh? Gun I forgot salute. all about this. Stomp your boots. Yeah. That's right, left, right, like a soldier with. That's right, left, right, like a soldier with. Sorry, That's actually the, the intro song to Mass Effect 2. But from, yeah. what I, from what I remember, the engineer apparently was broken. You couldn't really play as one because you had to rely on your teammates to kill everything. Brilliant. <laughs> so that's, yeah. it didn't work. It didn't work. So there you go. I thought, I thought it was kind of cool, you know, just some sort of cool info on Mass Effect 2 and, you know, getting ready and excited for Mass Effect 3. Um, okay, next up, Ma- Valve are apparently making a console. Have you heard about this rumour? Yep. What do you think? I mean, can they get into the console market? I mean, because ultimately, we've got to think about this, right? Obviously, the games that are on Steam need a high-spec PC to run. You know, it's not streaming it like on live. It's, you know, you've got to download this game and you've got to have some meaty stuff to run it. You know. Nothing else, Valve has proven that they know exactly how to market games in a way that makes everybody really happy. There is nobody who uses Steam and goes, Steam sucks, I hate Steam. So I think if they were going to make a console, they could probably pull it off. Now, that said, it's way early, this is a rumor, who knows, who cares? I mean, this, I mean what they're saying, the rumor is, um, the basic specs of it will be a, a core i7 CPU, which are pretty expensive, I've got to say. Even on the, If you bought one of them, it will cost you a fair amount of money. Uh, eight gigabytes of RAM and an NVIDIA GPU. So that's what they're sort of saying they'll be inside it. Um, but to me, I just think it's just going to be a PC and you're still always going to have that issue of having to upgrade it when obviously games get better and need more hardware power. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I, I mean, I think if Valve released a console, uh, 
it would be very successful. But it kind of goes against their platform in a way because, I, like you, Stuart, you know the the thing with the console is it has a limited shelf life, whereas Steam it just goes on forever. You know, but a console tied in with Steam would certainly be cool. But yeah. um, you know, I, I think the I think what 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 benefits Steam so much is they're on the PC and the PC just changes. It just goes. I mean, the PC has to catch up with it with Steam and the games. And I think like I don't know. I don't, I don't think a console is the way forward for them. But you know what? I can you know I'll, I can be completely wrong. I, I just does it. It just doesn't seem like a move they would make. To be honest, it doesn't feel like a Valve move. It's happening though because is it was it Alienware or one of one of the other companies? They're bringing out a sort of standard PC setup box that looks a lot like a console, um, but it's obviously got quite you know high specs inside it for running games. So there there is a move towards making gaming PCs that look like consoles, you know, to try and make them more accessible. But I don't know. It, it just to me, I mean, there's a, there was a, a picture, a rumored sort of picture posted up of it. And it literally did just look like a white box, basically. You know, it, it didn't have a lot of detailing on it. It was very well, sort that, of plain. Those are just kind of like whatever photos that people. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's it's fake, but yeah. you know, I don't know. I just it, think... does, it doesn't feel like a Valve move. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't. I can't imagine this happening. You know, with Valve, I, I don't see them doing it. It would it would shock me if it happened. To be honest, I don't know what the benefit to them is. You know what is the benefit? I mean, they could make some money out of it, but maybe. But they lose the a lot. What's they'd the lo- need? I mean, to make hard, to put hardware on shelves, they would lose a lot of. They, they would lose a lot of money. But to, to, to going in at the start, you know, it, you know, it, it, it'll give them money. It'll provide money later on. Obviously, that why would they do it? But I think you know, with digital distribution and the way everything's going, it just kind of goes against everything, and it just seems a bit weird. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think I, yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's I'm an odd thing because if it actually happens. Because even with development costs for stuff like this, costs a fortune, doesn't it? Even before you even start. I mean, and, and I guess Valve have a lot of money, so I don't think they would. Oh yeah, they do. But, okay. What, 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 Duke? What did you just say? You'd be surprised, or if you wouldn't I'd be surprised be... if they actually do it. You I don't would. think it would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look, I, do, I just want bloody Half-Life 3 before they start believe, bringing out another uh, Yeah, well, you know what? Then you should not encourage them to do this. No, they shouldn't. I don't think they should be doing this. I just think... I just think make the games are going to be uh, making Half-Life, you know, making a console, but whatever. I just think it's a weird, weird thing. Um, moving on, Assassin's Creed 3. Have you seen these screenshots for this game that I've come oh, I have. How weird is it? Because it's set in North America, right? In the Civil War and all this kind of stuff, and it's kind of cool. 18th century, you know. uh, probably Revolutionary War. Well, Revolutionary, whatever. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, different from the Civil War, man. George Washington, Charles Lee. These are all the characters. Yeah, definitely not the it's Civil hard, War. No, it's I hard, don't. It's hard to keep up with you Americans because you're always fighting over some shit. Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah. That's what we do, man. Uh, it's going to be centered around New York, Washington, Boston. To play this. Um, and apparently the main weapons is going to be called Connor the main character in this one and his main weapons are going to be a tomahawk and a knife because he's going to be half American and American Indian apparently sweet but the screenshots show him still in his Assassin's Creed garb and it, it's just weird why? Well, but it's, but it's, got, it's, it's changed a little bit it, looks, it is it looks... but why would he be still dressed that way <laughs> 
I don't know, because that's the, the uniform that he wears. I don't know. Well, a modern assassin or a more modern assassin, should we say, would not. Would it not. is a bit more modern. It's just, a, you know, he's got some kind of leather straps on him a little bit more now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to balance the look of the previous games with a totally different place and time. Yeah. Well, don't worry, Stu, because yeah. if he's behind there, right, in 2012, Desmond's wearing a fucking hoodie, so they catch up eventually <laughs> with the uniform. I like the idea. What do you think of the new setting, though? You have I to think it's that? great. I think it's absolutely exactly what they needed to do. Well, the... we've seen very little of this. I mean, it's a good idea, but we don't know anything about it, even. No, but, like, it's, it's, if someone said to me, how about Assassin's Creed 3 in the, the whatever war it is, the Revolutionary War, great, do it. That, because we need to get the fuck out of Italy, because yep. it's boring. Like, Although, the last game wasn't in Italy, was it? Who cares? But like well, it, it, it was just it was yes, just let's get a out, change, and this is a radical change. I agree. Let's get out of that era. Let's let's say that. Let's get out of that era and, and do something different with it. Let's put some uh, new spin on it or something because the the stuff they were doing they was really stretching it out. And I mean, the more I think about it, there Revelations was just a, a filler. It was just like, hey, look hey, at this. You just bought a veteran it. gamers T-shirt. Who? I don't know. I just got an email that said that the thing was sold. Cool. <laughs> hey, thank you, whoever bought that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. We get zero money from that. Yeah, we do get zero money. Um, I do agree with you, though. I do think it's, um, I think it's good that, that they're doing this, and I think it'll be make it a little bit more interesting, you know. Oh, and it'll be, yeah, it'd be People, cool. I mean, because if they did it again, like the whole same era, Ezio Alditore, no one would care if they did that again this year. Oh. Like, nobody. Um, because they barely got some attention last year. So they, it'll get people talking about Assassin's Creed again. It'll be nice. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I would have, I would have still liked to have seen it set in London. I think that would have been kind of cool. Well, well, I don't mind. I don't mind as long as you get out of that era. Like London, uh, America, Tokyo, except for not Deus Ex. Um, you know, anywhere. Like Australia, New Zealand, somewhere cool. I don't know. Um, but just not. Just not. Yeah, I think, I think the nice thing about sort of having it set in America in, you know, in that age time and you know with all the, the setting and everything it'll be a completely different aesthetic it'll look s- totally different won't it oh, yeah so, you hope so yeah you know so that's good because a lot of the you know obviously the last three games have looked very similar uh, yeah i mean even, even the first one looked similar to the to the second one you know I, I know there's a lot it was a lot richer in the second one but really you know you think about it, it's not drastically different. They didn't have to go too far out. But yeah, at least with more modern day stuff, it's like, okay, what can they do? They can't have haystacks lying around everywhere, can they? Or can they? Or what, will they provide something different? Will there be, you know, they can't have like lamps, you know, hanging off so you can go around the side of a corner of a building. They need to introduce different kind of assets. And it's just, yeah, different aesthetic and maybe some different gameplay elements. And hopefully, because they, we were talking about how many new things they keep adding in. Maybe they'll take some away and introduce some new ones. That's what we want. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I mean, we'll, we'll get to know more as the year goes on. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of interested in this a bit more now. It's going to get people looking at Assassin's Creed again. Which I, I love Assassin's Creed. I thought Revelations was a good game. It's just, like, more of the same. I, I want new stuff. So, yeah. Can't blame you. Can't blame you. Um, let's just quickly go back. Yeah, obviously, game, you mentioned earlier are in trouble yeah yeah you know and they're not they're, they're sort of the the sort of, from what i can gather it was because they published that their pre sort of end of year losses were going to be something like in the region of 20 million pounds or something of that nature 
So basically, they're not doing very well. And as a result, a lot of publishers will not supply, won't, won't sort of supply them with games because they can't guarantee the credit. So they basically can't, none of the publishers will give them games to sell. So they're even in more trouble now because obviously they can't even get games to carry on with their business sort of thing. So, I mean, you said you had a story regarding the, the Mass Effect yeah. 3. It's, uh, so I, I, I know somebody that works in game. And I, so I popped in and I said, what, what the fuck's going on? Right, and he says, I legally can't talk about it. I was like, okay. I, I've known this guy for a while. Um, and he says, Mike, can't talk about it. Legal reasons. Cannot say another word. I could lose my job. All right? Well, he's probably uh, going to do that anyway. <laughs> and I, was, I, I, I did kind of say that, actually. I was like, well, it's looking that way, isn't it? And he was like, well, I wouldn't believe everything you read, is what he said. All right. Well, I mean, the... like, someone who was his gaffer popped in the conversation. He went, "Listen, like, don't worry. Uh, it's just negotiations. We're still selling EA games. I don't know what's everyone's problem. We're still selling SSX. You know, just pre-order your games as usual." It's like, yeah, right. Um, and he, you know, he was just like, "In a month or so, it's just negotiations. We'll sort it out." Whatever, it's no big deal. Just it'll get sorted out. That was kind of their the, attitude. The biggest problem we're going to have, though, is how much of that customer base has gone elsewhere in that month or two if they, they do get it sorted out. Well, the, the thing is, we've learned about uh, customers. I think in the twenty first century, is that they're not as loyal as people think, right? Because you know the the whole FIFA thing um, a couple of years ago when. You know, game was always the place to go to buy games in the UK or GameStation. But as soon as Tesco said, we're selling FIFA for 25 quid at a loss, right? Everybody just bought it from there. Like, no one cares about gaming all of a sudden. Everybody cares about the cheaper price. So, you know, you know, Asda and Tesco and everyone, they're laughing because they sell games and they can sell them at a loss because they can afford to. It's a bit of a bastard because it's the whole, you know, monopoly of it all. But I, I, I don't think... I don't think it's going to last too long because game will have to that they'll have to succumb to something because they, they apparently they lost a lot of money because of Mass Effect 3 and I'm just thinking about the big hitters games like Call of Duty and FIFA um there are there's no way they're going to let those slip you know they, they they can't if they if FIFA doesn't get released in game this year game is finished you know there's no chance of it coming back, um, but I don't think I, th- I think it, I think it will kind of get resolved uh, sooner or later, and, and they'll they'll sort out their tips or whatever. So uh, they just financially just cannot afford to lose those publishing. Deals. I think, I think they'll, the, they'll do whatever they can. They will. I, I think the sad thing for us as consumers is that you know I never go in game. I'll, I'll openly admit you know I buy most of my games online. Or, or sometimes I will buy them at the supermarket. You know, I'm doing my shopping, and uh, you know the latest games out on that Friday night. I'll you know buy it there whilst I'm doing my shopping. You know, so that you know I have to admit that I do that. But from listen to your lifestyle, though, you're a family man. Yeah. The only time you actually come across games would be in a, in a big, you know, Tesco store or whatever. Whereas I, you know, my business is based in in the, in the city, so I'm sometimes walking around, um, and I walk past, you know. 
thing, the sad thing is, like I said earlier, that um, you know these these stores you can go and browse the games and you know get get other games that aren't necessarily available in the supermarkets because they only stock the top twenty games and a, a limited amount of pre-owned stuff. So th- the amount you can get in a supermarket is very limited compared to you know what you're going to be able to get if you go into Game or Game Station. You know, and I, I guess that's a you know the problem really. I've never been to game before in my life. I've been to a GameStop. Okay. You're more worldly than me, I guess. Well, there was one in Birmingham, so... You know, oh, well, that's not as big a deal. Yeah. But I'm guessing the communist game store's a bit like game. You know, you go in and, you know, they've got second-hand games and other games and... Well, they do have second-hand games, but it's not, it's not the same, man. It's just, you, you wouldn't know. You just, you can't know. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You buy this game now. Why? Yeah. It's the only game I have. You can't know. <laughs> you want a game? You have to buy this game. <laughs> what is it? It's called The Outfit. <laughs> yeah. There's no choice. This is it. Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, last thing I want to say about Mass Effect, uh, and we do need to cover this off. Last week we mentioned about a, a copy of Mass Effect stuck in a tree. Uh, that oh, happened. Is there an update? There's a couple of updates. One. Oh, hallelujah. Is it still in the tree? Is it still there? No, no. I don't know about that. But... But other copies, one, apparently somebody tried to shoot the person because they were on their property. <laughs> so that happened. That's good news. Let me guess, this took place in America. Yeah, I think it was in America. But... I know. Uh, somebody else got nearly arrested for trespassing, again, on private land. And But the biggest story that's come out of this uh, is two guys called Michael Davis and Miguel Dross, or Dross, uh, who... It got blown off course, and the tracking system stopped working on the internet, and they came across this copy of the game in Las Vegas, uh, these two guys. Yeah, uh, and were the robots there trying to kill people, and like zombies, and uh, Cadzors, and Deathclaws? No, you're thinking about yeah. Fallout near Vegas. But, uh, but these two are also filmmakers, right? Oh, uh, yeah. They wanted to make a game for the, for the iPad, iPod, iPhone, all that kind of stuff. Yes. So they came up with a plan, okay? Uh-oh. The plan was, I know what we'll do. We'll raffle the game off for $5 a ticket online. Uh. So they were going to do that, right? And then they'd also um, agreed or spoken to whatever it is. that What's that charity, that the kids' charity for game in Child's Play, isn't it? Yep. You know, yeah. the Penny Arcade thing. So they basically said to Penny Arcade, we'll give... 30% of the proceeds to you, you know, for, for sort of, and the rest we'll use to sort of set up our company and make films and games and stuff, okay? Which would have been fine, apart from the fact that it's completely illegal in America and broke God knows how many laws, and had they gone ahead with it, not only could they have been fined massive amounts of money, but they could also have ended up in prison <laughs> for doing it. Why is it illegal? Because it's gambling? Or yeah, because it, it, it goes against the gambling. Uh, I'll take that, America, because yeah, in the UK... On um, lottery, then it's fine. Yeah, because it, yeah, because it'd be classed as a lottery. And it would be for their own gain as well. You know, because obviously they were doing it to sort of set up their own company. Isn't that why everybody runs a gambling thing? Well, yes, but they didn't have a license to do it. <laughs> So, so they wouldn't have been. See, that's the government wants to wet its beak. <laughs> but also the fact that they picked, you know, oh, I will give some money to Child's Play because you know, 
that's great. Let's do that. You know, that'll make it all fine, even though we're taking 70% of these $5. But also... Well, I think that, that that was a kind of a nice joke. They didn't have to do that. You know, it's, it seems like they kind of had the right intention. Why not? But they were trying to justify the fact they were going to make loads of money from it. It was like, so well, it makes it all fine. <laughs> I found it. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Because... Um, do you think EA even thought about this? You know, I mean, what did he think people would do if they got a copy doesn't of Mass Effect 3? doesn't matter. The fact that we're talking about it now means that the PR company have done their job. Yeah, it won. I guess. I guess, but they, they must have known this would happen. doesn't matter. doesn't matter because... Put it on the, eBay. Flog it on eBay for gazillions of dollars. It doesn't matter because it, they, EA can say our intentions were good. We just thought it would create some good hype. And, and then it's down to the responsibility of the people that find the game. It was the people who... Put the who thought of putting it up for a raffle? They're the they're the problem. They're the victims, not EA. So, you know, it's, it, it it doesn't matter. The fact that it's it got in the news and it hit so many blogs, EA are pissing themselves. They think great, fantastic. It makes us look brilliant. Well, doesn't matter. Yes, another another family drove from Colorado uh, to somewhere else, like hundreds of miles away, with their eight year old son for a shot at the game. <laughs> the eight year old son, yeah, probably had a blast. <laughs> well, I'm sure. Man, it came like that. It's too young. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what we should no, do? He's, he was probably playing it for himself, not the eight-year-old. He probably just tagged him along because he had to babysit him or something. <laughs> had to take him with him for like a seven-hour drive <laughs> just to get a game. Yeah, um, if, you, if you was an eight-year-old and your dad went to you, uh, hey, son, do you want to go on an adventure and find a game from space? You would go, uh, I've already packed my bag. Let's go. You know? Of course you'd do it. It's cool. Yeah, I guess. I just I just think it was a crazy thing to do and you know, as a result some dudes nearly ended up going to prison which would have been kind of funny. Fantastic. Great PR. <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's definitely done its job. For sure it has. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of cool. Um but they was hoping that it was going to land in someone's face and be burnt into their face and skull and then he had to walk around with Mass Effect sticking out of his head. There we go. That's even better PR. How would you get that? Oh wait, yeah, I remember. Brilliant. But it, it won't have taken long to come down, apparently. I was watching some program on the telly, and when he gets when a weather balloon, if it's filled with helium, gets so far into the atmosphere, it, it expands three times its normal size and then explodes. So they don't get a whole distance away from where they're set off from. So they would have known that anyway. They've known it wouldn't have gone a whole was lot. It, was it... Was it... When it fall, did it was it in some sort of box or something? I, don't, I have no idea, and there's not really been a lot of said, you know, because I'm assuming it was attached to some sort of, you know, little mini parachute or something weird, so it didn't hit anyone because he must have thought about that, you know, because he could have been falling over a hundred miles an hour, you know, by the time it hit the floor. But I'm just thinking if the if that case if the case that we own fell off a building, it would break. Yeah, it does make you wonder. It must have been in some sort of padded box or something, surely. I'd say so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is kind of cool, but, you know, uh, this stuff was bound to happen, wasn't it? Bound to. I think it's funny. Now, we haven't got any Surface Lizard this week. No, you haven't said that. We haven't got any Surface surface Lizard. There is no Surface Lizard this week. He's been busy. He's been doing doing other stuff, so he hasn't had a chance to do one. Oh, darlings. Mainly screaming at mice. That's Mainly screaming at mice. That's yeah. right. It sounds like it this. Is... Yo, mice, what the hell is your problem? But he usually does it with his shirt off. But, yeah. But what I have got... Baby, baby, baby. Provided to us by School Duggaro, or, or, uh, oh. following, following our gaming addiction talk, 
Video games. Video games. Um, there's a guy called David Perry, and he did a talk for TED, which instantly- and I talked about how TED speakers yeah. get chosen recently on my other podcast, the Deviant Syncast. Check it out at fpesp.org/synapse. Which I was going to mention because you do talk about TED. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. What a coincidence. But this is from 2006. So, so this is... That's a long time. And basically a student made a film about his gaming addiction. We mainly focused on amount of time played and stuff of that nature. You know, and getting up at silly o'clock in the morning to play a game. Uh, he takes it from a slightly different angle. All right, so Stu, you know how you yeah. said uh, he touched on some different things from what we said? Yep. That's because we are not arty, pretentious pricks. Yeah, he's... Oh, shit. He had some valid things to say, but most of what he had to say was, I think deeply about video games. The world is a very different place because I play video games. I am sublimated into the game itself, and my soul has become that of the game, and blah, 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 blah. Basically, taking the premise of The Matrix and filming himself walking on the beach and stuff, and I'm sorry, that video drove me insane. What the guy presenting had to say was worthwhile. I really liked what he was talking about. And then they played this dude, and he's like, sometimes I don't know if I'm in real life or in a game. Whoa, that's deep, man. Like, oh. If you Look, don't know if you're in real life or in a the game, then you, you're seriously fucked up. Yeah, you've got a problem. Well, that's what I was going to come to. But what I wanted to come to was, you know, he, he did talk about games touching on a more emotional level than on you know, sort of just a game and a mechanic and a shooting thing. And, you know, you've recently played a lot of Skyrim. Yeah. You know, a lot of Skyrim. I mean, we're talking... really get emotional at any point. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because you put 160 hours or so, or probably more than that. I'm 200 by now. 200 hours. I play throughs. But what I wanted to ask you is, what was your main sort of motivation for putting all of that time in was it just the killing stuff was it the story was it you know being you know involved emotionally in it was it escapism okay there are some things about the stories in skyrim that are worthwhile but it's not it's the immersive element it's the fact that that world feels alive and it's fun to be in that world because you're powerful and you can you know destroy things and you can feel yourself getting stronger and some of the stories are interesting but i personally never had any significant emotional connection to anything in skyrim there's there's one character who i won't i can't even tell you the character's name because it's a bit of a spoiler or even tell you the character's name most people probably know who i'm talking about and there's a tough choice that comes at the end of the game about that person but that was and it's it's you know it was a minor connection the rest of it, eh, I never really felt close to any of the characters. Um, the Skyrim Confessions blog is funny, but it's not. I don't. I don't relate to any of those people. Um, Fallout New Vegas probably had more emotional moments. There's a really powerful. There's two really powerful emotional moments in Fallout New Vegas. So I, you know, and we have had these these experiences. Now you know, I wrote the thing about when I fell in love with a video game character, where I said I've had some emotional experiences in games, but. Um, I don't feel like, again, like he started off with this whole, like, because we're, we're involved in the action and it's so much more deep and profound. I actually don't find that to be the case. I've had experiences watching movies and reading books that are every bit as emotional as experiences I've had playing video games. And I don't think the fact that you can be part of the story but, is some mind-breaking, corner-turning new twist to the whole thing. But don't you think, to a certain extent, you're expected to get an emotional response from reading a book or watching a film? Because that's the whole point. Oh, it depends on the book or the film. 
Yeah, but most films or books are trying to elicit some sort of emotional response, whether it's anger or yeah, being scared for the character, you know, or any of those number sort of things. But games on the whole don't achieve that very well in in the main, do they? It's because yeah, they're not sophisticated enough yet. They've not reached that level of sophistication where, um, you know, they're, they're getting there. And I think this is kind of like a video reflecting that, oh, games can now reflect, you know, can, can now respond emotions from people. It's like, okay, well, books and films do that. They, but they've, had, they've been around longer, so they know what to do to provoke that from you, whereas games are learning that. We're still in the black and white phases of, of filmmaking, in a way. We, we have to kind of learn and, and, and develop those. And he, it's just him kind of going, I'm, I really like games, and I understand <laughs> games more than you. Like, I'm, I'm so much yeah. more immersed in, in this than you are. And, and I mean, he recognizes that it's an addiction, and he presents it in terms of like I'm addicted to these games. And but, but I'm sorry, I don't feel like he's saying anything profound about our relationship to video games that hasn't been said 15 times before, 15 years ago. Mind you, this built to be fair, this is from six years ago, so this is a ten years before he did. He said it. Yeah, but for the first time ever, he said he wouldn't show it to anyone until I presented it at TED and blah blah blah. And I'm just like, come on, really? But that was half of his talk as well, which was quite yeah, interesting. You know, like you said, I would have rather have listened to him talk a bit more. Yeah, than... he had some interesting things to say. I recommend that people go find this guy. What's his name? The dude who's uh, David, David Perry. Yeah, he had a good talk. I liked it. Yeah, it was kind of good, but I agree with you. It's sort of, I don't know. I mean, I think we are getting there. Like Catherine, for me. Oh, sort of, really? No, I'm Bad sorry, but I have to bring it up. I have to bring it up. It did... It, it was it was made like a movie, you know. It had a lot of movie type angles in the game. The dialogue, like I said, was kind of cool. And I worried for some. I thought something was going to happen to some of the characters that didn't, as it goes. And it was interesting. I was talking to someone today at work, and I, and what I had in my head as what was going on was far more interesting than what it turned out to be. You know what I mean? What I thought it was going to be, it you know, was way more interesting than what it actually was. Okay, yeah. Here's the thing. When that happens in any art form, it's a wonderful thing. I thought Fight Club was going to be just a dumb, silly movie about guys beating the crap out of each other. And obviously those who have seen it or read the book know that it's so much more. And I think that that's awesome when it happens. But I don't think that that's specific to games. And in fact, I hate to tell people, as much as I love video games, I don't believe there's anything really unique about the story mechanisms or how we relate to things in games compared to movies. There are good games that achieve an emotional reaction. There are good movies that achieve emotional reaction. And the fact that you mentioned Catherine being sort of like a movie dovetails with what I said about Red Dead Redemption being one of the best stories ever made in a game because that the story in there is a lot like a movie too. You're mostly just sort of watching it unfold. And I love Mass Effect, and I think it is one of the best stories in all of video games, but, but I don't know, I mean, do we have an emotional reaction? Or is the fact that we're a character in it mean that that emotional reaction is going to be blunted a little bit because the game maker cannot decide, they can't predetermine how that story is going to unfold? I think, I think the problem is you, you're always going to have that clash of game mechanics versus story. Yep. And... It's pretty evident. I mean, Mass Effect is actually a good example of that, especially if you take, like, the romance stuff in the game yeah. as an example of that. You know, and, you know, you go and speak to Miranda and you'll speak to her umpteen times and she's teasing and then... But if you try and say anything else to her, she'll go, come back later and speak to me or whatever, you know, and, and completely... 
And she'll just say that over and over again, no matter how many more times you, you ask the same question. And let's, uh, let's take this for an example. Uh, sorry, spoilers for Mass Effect 1. If people haven't played it, I don't know if people want to be spoiled. If, if you lose Rex, that's obviously going to be a painful emotional moment that you will remember from that game. But if you don't lose him, that moment's going to be tense, but it's not going to have nearly the same impact. So again, like I said, the game developers cannot determine, they cannot force you to have a certain experience. And as a result, you know, if I'm writing a book, I, I know exactly what, you know, I, I know exactly what my reader is going to experience in terms of emotions, or I'm going to, you know, know exactly what I hope to get them to experience. But when it comes to a game, it's so much more open. So you have a lot less control over the experiences your player has. Well, I mean, let me just add into the mix. Um, Ken Levine has, has come out and spoken quite a bit about Bioshock Infinite this week. Okay. Uh-huh. And one of the things he's spoken about is how he has manufactured so that gamers feel like they're making all the decisions in the game, but they will experience all the things that he wants them to experience a little bit like a book. Well, Bioshock is a great example of that. I mean, I think Bioshock did a beautiful job of taking the dynamic of you're a character in this world, you're making all these choices, and turning it around saying, ah, no, you're not. And I don't know if he'll be able to do that again in Bioshock Infinite, but I'll be impressed if he can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, what he's basically saying is that they will, throughout a level, have six or seven different trigger points for the same thing to happen. Right. So even if you miss it in the first place... Yeah. You might pick it up later on in the level and still experience what he wants you to see or do. But it's a certainty that you're going to see this thing he wants you to see. Yeah, regardless of which part of the level it happens in, because it won't necessarily occur in the same place for everyone playing the game. Yeah. And see, this is this is actually, I hate to keep you know running my mouth. Chinny, if you want to butt in here, I'll shut up. But, um, you know, on that thing about how I fell in love with the video game character, the the point I was making there is that is the same basic point. Like... If a game, the, the conflict, in my opinion, is between the story that the developer wants to tell and your agency, your ability to choose in the game, because those two things are sort of contrary to one another. In the Milo example that I used in that article, and and what you know, uh, what's his name, Peter Molyneux, uh showed off at one e three about Milo. Um, the, the point was, at the end of it, you were, Claire was going to splash around and grab fish with Milo. That was bound to happen no matter which path you took. And in the same way, Mass Effect, you know, no matter which path you take, you're going to have this big fight at the end with the person that you have a fight with. And I won't give spoilers about that. But if they wanted to make a game that was truly open, there would be a lot of different possibilities at the end of the game, and you might end up in any one of 10 or 15 places, just like in real life. You have cho- choices. You know, you want to go home, you want to go to a store, you want to go to a restaurant, you know, you want to go to the park, or whatever it is. So the fact that you have a lot of choices makes it actually harder to tell one unified story as a result. Yeah, I mean, the other thing you said, you know, like, obviously, you, you play in, in Bioshock as Booker DeWitt, uh, yeah. which is obviously the main main protagonist. But In Infinite. It, you mean? Uh, Bioshock Infinite, sorry, yeah, but Elizabeth, who is the woman you meet up, um, one of the things, that, the other things he said that they didn't want to do was make you have to babysit her. So she has no health bar, you don't have to protect her, she can sort of fend for herself, That's and wrong. yeah, and she won't die. So you have no protective role for her, really, apart from in the narrative. So it's more. So you it's know, not a sport mission? No. So there's, there's, there's not none of that. But the, he said because it's more 
around the narrative of the game and the story, you'll feel a bigger attachment to her than you would if you were sort of babysitting her and making sure she was fine and telling her to hide places and all that kind of stuff all the time. You know, which which I think is what definitely what they should have, have done. And, and hopefully it's... Uh, I, I really can't wait for this. I think it's going to be very, very cool. Very cool. I hope so. It looks like it has a lot of promise. I'm thinking... Oh, you want me to tell me what I'm thinking? Right, so... Yeah. What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking, Chinny? I'm thinking... Skyrim, right? That's a game. Oh, uh, yeah. It's... It's... <laughs> I think... I think what Skyrim has done... Has kind of offered... Has, has offered the, the choice what you were talking about, um, Duke. That n- not completely, but... That... You know, it's a complete open world, right? And, you know, you could end up any... Pla- I mean, really, scoring doesn't end. Right. Because the game doesn't say, okay, stop walking around now, and you're done. Well done. Um, it just goes, okay, you've done that. Uh, and it does have a main quest, right? But it has lots of little stories as well. Um, uh, and people call them side quests, but I think in Skyrim, they're a bit more than that. They're, they're things and characters and... And, and, you know, social classes and uh, quirks and all these sorts of, you know, packed in these little corners of the game and lo- nice little gems layered in, you know, skeletons lying in certain places and you think, huh. Um, and it would be interesting if there was a game that just had lots of little stories, like a, like a collection of sh- short stories, the same yeah. way you get, like, books that are a collection of stories. And you, you truly have an open world and you, you can go on this one one little short story and then you go off on another. Oh, no, doesn't Fallout sort of do that? Yeah, well, you know, same sort. it's the same developer, you know? Uh, yeah. But there is, a, there is a main quest. There is a main right. quest there. But yeah, maybe so you're take, saying, like, just ditch the main quest. Ditch just the main quest and say, short, you know... Side mission type things or threads. You, are, you, you have some kind of motive or some reason to be in this world uh, yeah. at the start and set sure. you off in tutorial. But hey, then you, you, all you have is, you know... Kind of side quests. What what would yeah, happen I, then? I would like that. I think the the idea of having one. I mean, here's the thing. In my opinion, most developers recognize that the side quests are going to be kind of hit and miss, and they, you know, some of them they do a good job with, some of them they don't. And it seems like the main quest thread in a game is deter- they're determined that it's going to be just awesome and deep, and and in a lot of cases it really isn't. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would be in favor of that. Just as a different change of pace. Just made me think when you said, you know, well, like, well, the the choices of hey, you know, like in life we have. I, I, if I wanted to, I could go and leave this podcast and drive into the town and I don't know, walk out and I could do whatever I want. But in a video yeah. game, you don't. But in Skyrim, you kind of do. You can you can kind of walk out of any situation. Well, I mean, and and to be fair, like your options are sort of limited when you come to a, you come to a new town. You can buy stuff, you can sell stuff, you can... I mean, you have a lot of options, but you don't have total freedom of options because no. you can't, like, you know, start a club in that town or, you know, knit a thing for a friend or something. Like, you can kill people, you can break stuff. But then would that, would that be interesting and fun still if you could do I all think, that I stuff? Think, I think a developer like Bethesda could make that fun. I guess you could do that, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, me, personally, I'm, I'm more for a structured narrative. You know, yeah. that I'm saying, all, all these short stories, all these short stories that are like they're structured, they're they're complicated, they're interesting. I'm just saying, what if a game just had short stories, kind of 
and lots of short stories instead of one big story. You know, like Skyrim does, but just so it doesn't it doesn't let you. You know, you don't know when you've started. You don't know when you've stopped. You do, you, there's no main quest. There's no big bad guy. There's just loads of these little pockets of things. Going let me on. let me ask you this: Do you think potentially GTA Five will be structured a little bit that way? No, I think GTA Five is going to be structured like every GTA game. Yeah. Do you not think they're going to... Because I do think, I agree with you, I think we might get stories from different perspectives, though. In, in the... Oh, yeah, well, you, you probably get that. I mean, that's been rumoured. So, you know, I, I think Rockstar enjoyed doing that in in GTA uh, 4. I, I really think they got some kind of pleasure out of it, and, and he got a lot of positive feedback, and it was fun and interesting. He was like, wow, that is different, you know, when you see this side of the story. Um, you know, it's it's kind of cool, so why not? But... I don't think they're going to ditch the main quest. There's, you know, in I guarantee in GTA you'll do some kind of start up. You'll, you'll approach the island or whatever it is in a boat or a plane, and you do some tutorial missions, and then it'll open up, and then you meet new characters, and you get rid of old ones, and then you finish with a, a big climax, and you make some choices, and people die, and people live. That's that's the GTA form. I don't think that's going to change. <laughs> I mean, the other the other thing that Ken Levine has said, and this I think this is kind of interesting, Dude. is. Is that he said quite often in in the game Bioshock Infinite, you'll make a decision which you think is the right one, but could end up being a, a bad one without realizing. Yeah. So the example he gives, you know, have we did we all watch the trailer where and the gameplay where he showed the the horse? No, uh, scene. I haven't seen it. So basically, there's a there's a scene blackout. We're on blackout. Yeah. Well, this is, I don't we think were. it's a major game spoiler. But uh, there's a there's a I know that. I'd say we're on blackout for listen, major game spoilers. Blackout means. Well, listen, I don't think this potentially is even in the game. This might have just been for demo purposes. So there's no guarantee this is in the game. Yeah, I don't know about you. I don't really care. Go ahead. But anyway, there's there's basically a horse that's dying or looks like it's about to die on its side on the floor and it's bleeding. Uh, and basically, they come across this horse, and it gives you a, a, a trigger prompt to euthanize the horse, right? So you can shoot it and kill it. Okay. I wish they would have given me that prompt when that shadow mirror kept coming back on Skyrim. I had to stab the dude. Well, anyway, you can euthanize it. So basically, you, when when you put when you pull the trigger to aim, <laughs> Elizabeth obviously protests and goes, "You know, I can save it. Don't kill it. Don't kill the horse." Sort of thing. But as soon as you if you let the gun down, let go of the trigger, then it automatically takes over. So the control you had is gone. So once yeah. you sort of let go of that trigger, it will play out letting her do whatever it is she wants to do, and there's no going back from that point onwards. Um, and obviously it ends up in the in the trailer, it ends up nearly killing you both. So by doing that, allowing her to do it, you know, and obviously I think there's a lot of the decisions will be how you use her powers and, and how that affects her because obviously it makes her weaker and, and could all... That's it. I've just decided, Bioshock Infinite, I'm going to be an absolute bastard. Don't kill the horse, bang, whatever. <laughs> wait. Fuck him. He's a dead horse. He's probably begging to be shot. Whatever. So well, to Bioshock Equus. <laughs> you know, I think... Dude, that's a hilarious literature joke, man. I think... There's Major's rolling around on the ground right now laughing with that. Go ahead, Stu. Rubbish. I think if anybody <laughs> is going to uh, pull this off, really, it's Ken Levine, isn't it? You know, if someone's going to pull off a game where, you know, there's that exploration, there's those decisions making, you know. I mean, I think there was a bit contrived in the original Bioshock with the save or not save the little sisters, because ultimately it didn't make any difference in the end whether you did or you didn't. 
because you still got the same amount of Adam and stuff. So. Yeah, but you, you ended up with a slightly different end. Yeah, but I don't think it was... It was life and death situation there. I don't think it was enough. I don't think it was Of course not. It was bollocks. Yeah, and I think in this game, maybe you'll get it more right. I mean, mean, just just to go back to what he was saying about triggering, you know, events. He said, quite often we have to assume that for the purposes of the player's freedom, that they won't be triggered in many cases, these events. For instance, uh, there's a sequence where Liz picks up the Abraham Lincoln head and puts it on. There's a bit of a joke, you know, messing around. Uh, And he said it would be a shame if the player never saw that. So what we do is have a system where we seed the potential for that scene at numerous places in the same level. If the player doesn't play here, if the conditions don't line up for it here, then the conditions will hopefully line up for it here. Uh, And he says it's an extremely complicated system to implement in the game. There it is. So I think we'll have to wait. I think I think Fallout and Skyrim do a similar thing where they the the percentage that they want you to get a certain item. I remember Todd Tom Todd Howard was talking about this right. I think he was actually to Ken Levine, actually. Um, but it, they want you to get a certain item, right? Let's for 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 this conversation's sake, we'll say it's a very good sword, right? Mega sword, we'll call it, no, right? I guess so. So, it's, so the mega sword. So the developer wants Duke, who's they're playing Skyrim, um, to get this mega sword, right? And every time he opens a chest, his percentage of getting this mega sword goes up. Right? So when he first opened this chest, it's 15%. He doesn't get it. So the next time he opens the chest, it's 20%, and so on and so on, until he gets the Mega Sword. Similar sort of thing. Like 70%? Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I know what you mean. Yeah. That makes sense. So eventually, you come across the. You you think you've stumbled across the Mega Sword. You thought, well, destined to get it. Where did I? Where did you find the mega sword? Well, I found it in this wardrobe in in I don't know some woman's hair, and I just says, oh, I found it in a dolphin's <laughs> ass. Uh, what was that um, Martin's hair? Yeah, uh, you know, and I, I found it under a, a, a slipper under a volcano, and you go, wow, look, we all found it at different places. Isn't this game amazing? But we all found it because the, you were supposed to find it. You know, and yeah. that's the that's the kind of trick that they. But yeah, that's the key, though, isn't it? Making you feel like you've randomly found it, but yeah. you didn't. And it's like against guess the same with Bioshock. You'll trigger these events and think it's totally random, but it isn't. You know, it's yeah. it's. But it's it's that trick of making you believe that it isn't. So, yeah. so we'll wait and see. That 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 is fun. You know, when you when you find it, when you talk to somebody else who played Fallout or whatever, and go like, you know, what did you look for? Me, one of the earlier missions in Fallout Three is the ant, fire ants. And I remember somebody saying to me that, they, that that was kind of like the one thing that they did when they finished the whole game. And that, to me, just fucks up my mind because I'm like, oh, that's, that was really back in the day early for me. That, yeah. You know, that was yeah. like what, that was one of the first things I did. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just cool. It blows your mind and you go, wow, like, you know, that was so, that was so early. And it, it just completely changes how I thought of the game. And, you know, that's the start of my journey. And that was the end of yours. And Sorry, I said journey. So, yeah. yay. Yeah. Interestingly, when you you know mentioned the Rex uh, thing in Mass Effect earlier, oh yeah, um, the thing I've got to say about that that ha- I, I he died in my game, right? Spoiler. And I was upset. I was upset at the time it happened. and was like, I can't believe it. I, you know, because I took him on every mission. That I love it. I, you know, I love Rex. I was really I, you know, cool. It was one of my favorite characters. I just loved his abruptness and the way he put things and all that sort of stuff. So I was I was proper upset, but. I wasn't as upset as when I found out he didn't have to die because I just put it down to that's part of the game's story. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. 
and then found out it wasn't the way it had to go, and that made me even more upset when I realised. I could have saved yeah. Messed up. Yeah, and I was, and my head was all messed up then, and and I did have that's probably one of the most emotional, you know, responses I've had to a game when I found out that. Yeah, I was I was so unhappy about it. I was like, no. But the streets get the deeper the beat gets, and the fader with traction the boy you bet. Cause everybody wanna have it lavish. Well to, to finish off tonight. Um yes, we have got uh, a couple of emails, only two this week. <laughs> And then I did put out a tweet for sort of uh, any sort of questions for the show or anything like that. And we've got quite a few of those to get through. So we'll do the emails first and then we'll come to those off the tweet. We need to say that we love homestarrunner.net. It's an awesome website. People should totally check it out. Um, yeah, they're the ones who made that song, not us. They rock. Excellent. Well, first of all, uh, we have got an update off Alan Tang, Tangy Tango yeah. Juice. And as we know, his forfeit for cheating at games uh, was to play Dark Souls. And oh, he right. picked, it up, picked it up. And here is his update. He says, hey, guys, uh, just a quick update on my Dark Souls playthrough. I haven't had a lot of time to play so far due to school and such. But from what I have played, I must say that this is a very well-made game. I really like the aesthetic details and movements of my character. I've gone for a more tank, warrior, knight character. Honestly, I don't understand half of the stats in this game. It is so complicated. I'm just trying to get through the game as fast as I can. I don't really understand the story either. So there you go. That's his, that's his update. <laughs> so that's what he's up to. Bless him. Yes, bless him. So Thanks well done. Keep with it. Keep us updated. Let us know how you're getting on. Okay. Uh, this one is from our regular uh, supply of emails, Jason Gulliher. And uh, he says this. First, uh, and he's called For the Love of Duke, his email. First, uh, yeah. first, not to bring up this unpopular topic again, but I must apologize to all you guys and girls playing games on the potty right now. I did not mean to offend you, even if you are mining in Mass Effect. Indie games, well, pulling from past purchases, Tobe's Vertical Adventure is a really fun single-player or co-op. They updated the controls. Nothing new has really struck me lately, but Beat Hazard is now only 80 points, which is a great game, we like that. Uh, Chini has a great point with SSX, the music fits perfectly. I would like to ask you and the listeners, what game has given you the best music? Well... I'll answer that. Um, Duke, if you want to play the uh, the first link I sent you there. That is... Uh, that is uh, the music from Mass Effect. It is. Uh, that's the, the suicide one. Uh, I forgot the, the, the name. I think it's just Sacrifice or something. I don't know. Anyway... Suicide Mission, there you go. Uh, fantastic track. Um, so I love the Mass Effect soundtrack. And uh, the, yeah, it, he, he mentions the Red Dead uh, soundtrack. This is good. But uh, the, the, the Mass Effect 2 one is, is great. But what's more exciting is in Mass Effect 3, it's been composed by one of my favorite composers called Clint Mansell. And Clint Mansell 
uh, did Requiem for a Dream. So everybody's probably familiar, very familiar because oh, they used it for Lord of the Rings. Because it sends me into catatonic fits. Yeah. So, uh, but they used it for uh, Lord of the Rings, the two towers as well. But they made like a very um, orchestral version of that. It's, but it's also recognizable song. Everybody who's heard any yeah, music from yeah. these at all recognize it. If you type in Clint Requiem for, like, Requiem for a Dream, you'll know what it is. But he, Clint Mansell also, and he's from Coventry, which isn't that far from me, but he also uh, did the, the soundtrack to Moon. So that was the soundtrack to me, uh, which you'll probably recognise on the the Alien Colonial Marines trailer as well. Fantastic soundtrack. I, I've listened to it over and over again. And he's doing work in Mass Effect 3 score. So I cannot wait to, to hear what that sounds like. You can probably get some already, but I want to experience it in the game and then download it after. So it always reminds me of the game. So, yeah, I can't wait. You see, mind, if I had to say, for me... The best music and sound that matches a game, it would be either Dead Space or Dead Space Two, because I think oh, they would do a yeah, I think they do a brilliant job of building the tension just with the sound and the music. Yeah, but like he talks about music. Yeah, but the music in that game is great as well. Uh, I, I, it's not something you'd, it's not something you'd want to sit and listen to on its own. You know, isolated from the game, but within the game, it works brilliantly with the set pieces and stuff that's going. I think they do a great job with sound and foliage, and, and like, I think they do a great job. But I, I, I don't think the, the music stands there in that game. Mm, I think you know, if you go back and listen to some of the tracks from that game, they are quite impressive. You know, very dramatic and you know, screechy. They, they do. A, I think they do a great job with the music and the and the sound. But the, I mean, some of the, the the levels where you can hear whispering, you know, and stuff like that, and especially in surround sound, is pretty creepy. Very, yeah, very creepy. Uh, but does yeah, does a brilliant job of, of sound, you know, overall. Um, anyway, is, um, what about you, Duke? Oh, Anything yeah. stand up for you? Yes, I have several. Uh, first is the Skyrim music. Very iconic, very beautiful. Um, I also really like the eco music, especially when the save moment when you... I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but the music when you're saving is just very beautiful. But all the music is really cute as well. I mean, it's just... It's very... Especially for the time it came out, it was kind of powerful. and It's got elements of, like, Japanese classical music and things, but it's also, you know, like, guitars and stuff. Mm, and yeah, just, that is cool. Very full melodic. Uh, and then the other thing that I want to say is give a shout-out for my friend Robin Miller, who made the music for Mist and Riven. Uh, I think the music in those games was awesome, like the opening theme to Mist. I just think that the game, that, those two games had a lot of awesome music. And I have like an emotional connection because when I played them back in the day, I, I've told this story probably before, so I apologize for repeating myself, but I hooked up a tape recorder to my computer. Or I think I may have put it right next to my computer because I had to record it that way. But um, I wanted to have you know, access to that music you know, in my car and stuff. And uh, so that, I think that's the mark of a good game, especially back then, because now you can find the soundtrack to most games pretty easily. But this was at a time when it was hard to find the soundtrack man and then of course later on i bought it on cds and stuff so see the the other two that stand out for me is uh, alan wake 
yeah. for the for the tracks at the end of each chapter were just really well chosen. That's all right. And yeah, I thought they were really well crafted. And the other one for me, and they, these aren't really original music, but Mafia Two. I thought I had a great uh, use of, of the music from the era that it was set in. It uses licensed music very well. Yeah. And the, and the one of the, the the greatest ones for me was when you f- just get out of prison and it's a kick in the head. Uh, as you sort of come in and it shows you sort of going back to your, you know, your flatter apartment or whatever. And it, it just fitted so well to the game and what was happening at that moment in the game. I'll tell, I'll tell you yeah. another, another soundtrack that I really like, um, which I don't think gets a lot of credit. But it's one of the one of the most popular games ever made. Is GoldenEye 007. I think it's great. I know it's I know it's a bit easy because it's, it uses the Bond theme a lot, but they're 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 great songs. Every one of them. And again, I think this is a kind of emotional connection I have with the game. But yeah. like, just every one of them. Just I, I hear them and I go. I know exactly what level that is. You know, I know that, that you know, I, I remember with that song in particular, I remember like sneaking out of the, the toilet cubicle, sneaking around those corridors. So many memories connected to that music. It's amazing. Speaking right? of emotional connections to music. <sighs> when I first got this on my iPod, I listened to it like every day at school. Can't get enough of it. Oh, I thought I was going to do the verse there, but uh, it's Dead Man's Gun from Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was another game that I used licensed music really well. You and know, speaking really. of awesome music, we can't talk about music and video games without mentioning this one. It was coming. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, they are the greats, aren't they? And music can add so much to an experience, can't it? Especially in games. So... Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Um, we'll finish off. With that in mind, I recommend an awesome video game music podcast called Top Score, which is great because obviously background music on isn't on anymore. Oh, man, so it'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, nice to have a, a replacement. So I'll look that up. Especially check out the Red Dead Redemption, Mass Effect, Bioshock, and upcoming Bastion episodes. Uh, it's by a lady called Emily Reese, and she has also done Call of Duty, Uncharted, Halo, and Assassin's Creed, just to name but a few. Uh, she interviews the musicians behind the games, and when you hear the music from Mass Effect or Red Dead during these shows, it really puts you back in those worlds. It really made me want to purchase the soundtrack and go back to those games all over again. Uh, overhearing the Daddy's log last week really made me want to start a Kickstarter for the veteran gamers. Thanks for your <laughs> podcast dedication. Uh, thank you for listening. And so so, do- yeah, so thank you very much for that, uh, and it's worth it all the time we put in. It's... Uh, you know, it's good fun. Um, so that's that's emails out of the way. Uh, so we do need to do... We have got a few tweets. So we'll go through these. Now, I have to siphon them out because there's a lot of tweets amongst all of these somewhere along the way. Um, so let me just find the one I'm looking... Because we had one from last week that came in uh, just after we finished doing the show. So we just sort of missed one. So and I'm while just, he's looking here... I know, yeah. I'm just trying to find it. Find it yet? No, I'm just sort of... Oh, here we go. I've got it. Okay, here we go. It's from Stu Leckie. Uh, Stulek52, and he said this, uh, hand, Handheld games, with the arrival of the Vita, do you guys think dedicated machines are doomed or not? Yes. Yeah, I would have to disagree. I don't think they are doomed. 
Okay. What do you think, Tinny? I think um, handheld devices solely for the purpose of games are doomed. They're single-use devices. Um, look at it this way. Uh, no, it was Sir Ken Robinson, I think, is the guy who did a talk about education at TED. And he did a very interesting experiment right in the crowd. He said, okay, those of you who are uh, wearing a wristwatch, raise your hand. And like half the crowd raised their hand. And he said, okay, keep your hand up if you're under the age of 30. And everybody put their hands down. And he pointed out that most people, you know, of the generation after us do, and I don't know, Chinny, if you would put yourself in our generation or theirs, but um, most of them don't wear wristwatches because it's a single app, it's a single purpose machine, and most people don't have any interest in single purpose machines when you can carry a phone that does so much more. Yeah, uh, sort of. Phone. I guess, but, but. Do we not still class the Vita as a dedicated games machine, even though it does other stuff? And the same with the 3DS. They are dedicated games they, consoles. Yeah, they are they? dedicated games consoles, and that's why they're going to die, I think. Because, look, people do play them. There are some people, I think, who like them, but I don't think the market is big enough. And I think, on the whole, game developers are going to say, you know what, it just makes more sense to program for these platforms that do so many other things, tablets and eye devices, and not so much for the Vita. But then the Vita does other things as well, doesn't it? Yeah, but it, it, look, I wish them all out of luck. I'll be very surprised if Sony considers, or if anybody considers the Vita a success in two years. Yeah, I mean, I, the only thing I would say is that up to now, as, as we mentioned the other week, the 3DS has sold over 4 million uh, consoles, etc. So it's, it's not doing badly. No, you know, it's, it's not. doing fine. And they've already sold over a million Vita since launch as well, Sony been bragging. So, you know, they're not doing terribly well. I think, yeah. I think they'll eventually die out, but I don't think just yet. I think they'll I think just... My perspective is that it just does... I mean, I bought a DS, and then I found myself not playing it enough, and now I got an iPod Touch, and I, I use it all the time. I don't really play a whole lot of games on it, but I do use it, and it's, it's just, again, that same sort of thing. And besides, the other thing about mobile gaming I've noticed is most of the time when I'm playing a game on my iPod Touch, I want to play it... For a very short period of time, I wanted to load quickly, play a little bit, and then be done. And with DS games, it took a while for them to load, and I think that's true on most handheld devotional. Consoles. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll die out. I think they'll mutate into other things. It'll, they'll still be around, but they'll be just in a different form. Is yeah. what I think. Okay, uh, okay, let's move on. So I did ask for questions tonight, or uh, you know, anything of that sort of nature so let's move on to those we have got a lot of stuff before then but we'll move on to these um okay uh here we go school duggarah ha 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 uh said a recent durango 3d imaging implementation job posting hints at 3d for the next xbox connect and plus 3d what would you like to see so do we want xbox 3d no and 3d connect and all that kind of stuff no no. no. Ginny? Wouldn't no. care less. No. Okay. He has, you see, he knew you wouldn't like that. Because he said, because Mike and Duke have no interest in that last question, here's one for them. He <laughs> knows so well. He does. Duke and Chin, you get a big fat wedge from a Kickstarter. Talk us through the games you'd make. I'd make my fucking open world short story game. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Done. Yeah. Job done. I'll basically go... Um, so this is me being like the boss of all these like programmers and shit and artists. I'd be like, you know, Skyrim and Fallout, that kind of stuff. Whatever area you can be bothered to draw, um, <laughs> and just come up with a load of short writers. 
come up with a lot of short stories. And then don't worry with the main quest. Uh, I'll see you in two years. Cheers. <laughs> there you go. Job done. Yeah. Uh, and Duke, if you had a big wedge of money and you could tell someone to make a game, what would you get them to make for you? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think I'd like to try to make an RPG because I think I'd like to make a story, a game with a really good story. And I think RPGs sometimes uh, present that opportunity. Um, so you're the opposite of Chini, then. You want a good story and not loads I, of little stories. Hey, I never said I would, didn't want good stories. I would just want lots of small good stories. That's what I'm saying, though, but Duke wants one yeah. big story. Yeah, I'm thinking about having, yeah, just one big story. And I would, I, would, I would think it might be interesting to have a game with no side quests. Like, it's just this main quest. And, of course, the challenge there is, well, how do you make it fun to play? That's called and, Uncharted, mate. That yeah, is. it wouldn't be an open world game anymore, though, would it? No, it what would, would be the point? be an open world game. Um, yeah, I don't really know how to go beyond that. I okay, think explored. I was younger. I might think it, I might think it'd be intriguing to try to set a game in that world. Yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. GH rocker. He said this, I had my mate around. Uh, we were, were we just game two hours of gears of war three and about four hours of black ops zombies. Uh, we're trying to do the Easter eggs. Also today I ordered mass effect three. Well done. It's going to be cool. Um, yeah, Mass Effect multiplayer closed a few days ago. Did any of you play it, and what did you think? And I didn't. No. Did anyone do it? Anyone no. play it? Nope. nope. We'll wait till we get the game. Have a level. Well, <laughs> um, if you want fantastic game journalism and a coverage of all the new games, don't listen to the veterans. Yeah, don't listen to us. And then he says, uh, finished off, haven't done a log this week. Uh, maybe should try some prunes or something. You know, that might help. You, you know, know what, people? I thought we made this clear last week. <laughs> we don't want to hear about you going to the bathroom. No, he means a gaming log. Oh, Duke, it's a gaming log. Gaming log. Uh, I don't know, Duke. I kind of liked it. <laughs> but played about 10 hours uh, of game six on Friday with mate and four for the rest of the week. Damn maths. And obviously played with us a bit. That sounds uh, like a gaming log to me. Yeah. And then Greg DeLacy, he said, hats off to Stu. You put in some serious hours for the show and it pays off each week despite your co-hosts. Oh, thank you for that, Greg. We like that. Wow. Shut up, you jerk. Oh, God, I feel like we're podcasting with Duke now. And the final tweet we had was from Bongo the Sane, and he said, when is the next third competition? We have... We did have. Oh, I thought about that. I, I did. I did think about that. I was like, "Did we do the third yeah, one?" We, we've got the idea for it, but it's a bit of work to do, isn't it? We've got some work to do to put it together. Yeah, it's not. It's just me, Bongo. It's just I'm very. Well, no, it's not. No, because the idea. Do you remember the idea I had? You remember? Yes. What I said? Yes. But we need to write some stuff down. No, it's not. It doesn't take a lot of time. No, but it's something we need to record and do. So it's going to be yeah. a, a, a more audio quiz but like every week on the podcast i promise there's going to be another video and i don't because you know what you know the thing is about making videos for veteran gamers is i in my day job you know what i do Stu? yeah 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 what do i do make films i make videos right yep. so when i'm not grading papers at the end of the day so when it, when, it, when it comes to making a video for the veteran gamers, like oh i'm working again you know it's like oh god another but it's a bit like it's a bit like the painter and decorator whose house is a shithole because he's like too busy decorating everybody else's houses and when he yeah. gets home he doesn't want to do it busman's holiday yeah. you see busman's holiday um, <sighs> and that was it so uh, yeah thank you for all of those tweets and the emails and now we need to do some shout outs and get the hell out of here i'll come to chinny first shout out to shinyverse Shout out to Shinyverse because he sent a very funny message to all friends um, message over Xbox. 
Do you, is Shiny Verse on your Xbox friends list, Stu? I don't think he is, actually. No, he said he doesn't like you. Yeah. Only joking. I, oh, I'm sure he loves you. Right, so... Uh, he, he, bas- <laughs> he basically said, um, Hi, I'm Commander Shepard, and my favourite parade is this one, this one, this one. I thought that was very funny. Worthy yeah. of a shout. Uh, oh, did you get it, Duke? I was just about to shout him out until you said... Duke's nope, too late. Yeah, I know. That's what I get for um, uh, so, yeah, I think that's the only one I got today. And, um, one of the people who, uh, sent us emails and stuff, thank you very much. Especially GH Rocker, he's always getting involved, so we do appreciate that. He does tweet us a lot, doesn't he, and send us emails. Uh, so oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't, uh, is somebody going to share it flesh? Yes, I was okay. going to do that. That was mine. So I'll, I'll let you do that. But that's, that those are mine. So, Duke, now that you're here, Duke. Go. Go. Yeah, DeSaint and Dino, we were playing some uh, poker, so cheers to them. It was fun to play, and I hope I didn't offend them, because I don't remember how we were talking about, but they said something about, uh, oh, you Americans. I, I Maybe I made a joke, like, I'm an American, I don't back down, I don't bluff, whatever, because Obama had probably just said, the American doesn't bluff when it comes to Iran or whatever. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, you know how American I am. I show my students Gosford Park, and I sit around watching Downton Abbey all day, and they went, oh, yeah, we are British, and we don't even watch Downton Abbey. And I was like, yeah, well, that's because you're not, like, uh, effete, uh, snobbish intellectuals. And, and I was trying to make a joke about myself. And they took a, they were like, oh, you're calling us stupid? What are you saying? I was like, no, that's not what I meant. No, no. God, was he like the scene from Goodfellas? <laughs> you yeah, think I'm funny? You think clown? I'm funny? Like clown? Yeah. <laughs> funny, anyway, how funny. They're good lads. Uh, Skullduggerer, uh, we had some chatting about drum and bass. That's been kind of cool because I'm a big fan of drum and bass, and he's a fan of drum and bass. And I, uh, yeah, mentioned to him that I really like this guy named D. Cruz. And uh, here, where is it? Oh, here, all night long. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, who else? Uh, Thumble. He wrote this thing about the Playfire, you know, had, he's on Playfire, and it had sent me a message, and y'all were like, it's spam. Uh, he was like, I'm sorry about that. I got off. I didn't know they were sending me messages. Uh, whatever. It's not a big deal, but I appreciate hearing well, from you. And he also suggested that we do a Halo Reach play date for those custom games, and I think we will do that again soon, but I don't have it, so we're not going to do it now. By the way, that's rather apt that you should mention the word spam, because we've had some in the shout box again from Love oh, Jordan. Sure. Love Jordan. And... Interestingly, I posted up the link to the Monty Python spam sketch, you know, as a bit of a joke, for a bit of a joke, because it was quite funny, you know, I like that sketch. What I didn't realise, though, and I never realised this, that the term spam comes directly from that sketch. That's where it... That's where it comes from. That's how it originated. I don't believe that's true. That is, if you look on Wikipedia, it is absolutely oh, true. Oh, there you so, go. It is absolutely true because what happened was because obviously it's everything's got spam in it. And no one really likes spam because it's horrible. Um, it was started being coined as a phrase for things that happened on the internet that people didn't like too much. Oh, you mean the the use of that phrase to describe things on the internet? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant like the meat product. No. Spam because of Monty Python. Okay. No, 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 no. No, the use of the word spam on the internet was due to the Monty oh. Python sketch oh. using spam. And... There's an unwritten Damn rule. website, by the way, sucks. There's an unwritten rule for this. I don't know whether you know this. But they, they asked as a sort of the only thing that spam as a company asked was that if people use the word spam referring to internet spam, they don't capitalize it. Because yeah. that's obviously their trademark name. Trademark after it. Yeah. So there you go. So how You're cool is that? Suck my butt. 
So yeah, so I found out something I didn't even know. Um, yeah, if you pay attention, I know. And the only one, the other only other one, and we did vaguely mention this, but yes, Fletch Zibit, otherwise known as Daniel Fletcher, who works with me. Uh, he asked, could he have a special, an extra special shout out? So we need to give him an extra special shout out uh, because he won at Taekwondo. He play, he, no plays. He doesn't play. He, yeah, he, it's just a big playing game. Yeah, he does Taekwondo, and uh, he's got a little video, and he did really well, and he kicked somebody in the side of the head. So you know, Sweet. I'm guessing that's good. Anyone? So well done to you. I did a similar thing at uh, the local retirement home. Yeah, but you got arrested for that. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, you know, like you're splitting hairs now, Stuart. I mean, like you, you're taking away my credit. You know, I still got that woman straight in the side of the head. That was a pretty good bang there. There you go, right yeah. there, bang, bang, bang. Um, yeah, uh, and I think that's it. And I, Pete, I'll give I, Pete, a shout out because he's been putting some quite amusing tweets up. Um, he's yeah. good at those. He put this just, just, just to read out what he, you know, he's pondering. He has some interesting ponderings, and he put this: uh, my favorite three hip hop artists are Kanye West, the old stuff, uh, for underlying themes and morals; uh, Lil Wayne for vocal percussion and wordplay; and Eminem for being the most original lyrical genius the world has ever seen. <laughs> and then he goes on, doesn't he? All right, I'm there is more, doesn't it? I love just, you, dude. Just a minute. V for Vendetta, we're right there. But Eminem, seriously? Just a minute. There's more to this. There's more to this. And he finishes off with, also, fuck all British rap except for the streets. Uh, I like to be able to understand what I'm listening to, strangely enough. Blood. It's me. Brain tax. So I did ask him what about Dizzy. And he's... Nah, res- Dizzy. Uh, Wiley. Wiley's the man. Yeah. yeah, yeah Wiley. Well, I like Wiley. I said, what about Dizzy? And he said, yeah, even Dizzy, he can go sit on that dildo from the girl with the dragon tattoo for all I care. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a bit strong. All right, you know what? Look, I respect that Eminem has some skills as a lyricist, okay? But he doesn't come close to Rakim. It's coming, hang on. I'm rated all, this is a warning, you better avoid. Poets are paranoid, DJs destroy. Guess I came back to attack others as fighting. It's like, like, lightning. It's quite frightening. Dude, Rakim would blow Eminem out of the water in a minute. There you go. I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> on that note, we need to... Eminem's had plastic surgery, so... Thanks, you know what? Eminem said... When he did that song with Elton John on the, uh, the Grammys or something. And people were like, dude, I thought you hated faggots. Why would you do a song with that faggot? And he said it. I read this in an interview with him. He said, quote, I didn't know Elton John was gay. What? Is he crazy? Whatever, dude. I don't <laughs> even, dude. That's a really bad joke, or you're a really, no, really dumb he's person. He's joking. No, he's joking. Yeah, he's always joking. joking. That's what he says about everything. I'm going to slice my girlfriend's clitoris into 17 pieces. Oh, blade. Oh, my God. What's wrong with you? I'm just joking. <laughs> you can say anything you want now. You can talk about all the most hateful, hideous, horrid, violent stuff in the world, and people go, oh, my God, what's wrong with you? And you go, I'm just joking. And what they're supposed to do? Steal. Stop caring. And that's it. Okay. You're just joking. It's okay. I bet if he'll conf by saying, P.S., just kidding, people would be like, oh, he's just kidding. Come on. All you got to do is put LOL on the end of it. Yeah, exactly. All I'm just saying is the other one. I'm just saying. That's the most yeah, meaningless be, phrase in the English language. <laughs> it'll be fine. Um, you, I'm know not know most, you know what the most meaningless, meaningless lines in movie history is? 
the Matrix, the Matrix Reloaded, Naomi says in this meeting where like she puts her ship forward. Yeah. Uh, some people change. Some people, <laughs> some don't. people don't change. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a dumb that's, line. That, that's fantastic, right in there. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right on that on that note, we need to get the hell out of here. So we'll see ya. Some Thanks podcasts listening, change. Some <laughs> podcasts don't. Jammer fool, everyone. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm going, I won't get song. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. Oh, I was just getting into that. It was good. <laughs> won't you? Won't you? Won't you? Won't you? Won't you? Whoops. Oh, shit. <laughs> I actually closed the tab that had that on it. Oh, well, that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Is that the end of the uh, theme tune? You know, you know that Steve tune? You know, what does she say? Does she say, why don't you go to sleep? Is that one of the first things No, why don't you go and switch off the television set uh, and do something less boring instead? Because when she said, why don't you go to sleep? I was like, actually, why don't I go to sleep? <laughs> do you know what's interesting with, yeah. with that, right? And I always used to find this a bit of a contradiction when I was a kid growing up. Because obviously the line is... Why don't you go do something less boring instead and not watch the TV, right? Yes, and you're but actually watching TV. It was a TV show. <laughs> yeah, but like that was back when TV rotted the brain and it was the devil, so they wanted to justify that they wasn't well, kids' brains. Well, they used to, the, the whole show was about doing stuff outside, so he gave you ideas to go and do stuff outside and things of that nature. So, you know, it was all about don't watch the telly, Apart from this show, but when you finish watching this show, you can go and do all the stuff. Something less <laughs> yeah, we've shown you what it's, to do. It's, it's like Jerry Seinfeld when he talks about. It's like the equivalent of when you when you it's like three o'clock in the morning and you've just got chocolate and crisps all down your top, and you see an advert for an exercise machine, and you go, "I'm I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that and get fit. That's I'm going to do it. I'm." I'm gonna do it. You got crisps all down your shirt and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've got a, a sort of interesting thing to tell you, similar to that actually. We know well, you guys. But no, I went. I went um, to the gym tonight before I, you know, came podcasting. No, you did. I did. But there was someone who'd been working out. When I came outside, they were stood having a fag next to the car. Healthy. <laughs> 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 And it's like, there was one time, this is true as well, one time I went to the supermarket, right, and there was this massive fat dude, and he was, I mean, I used to be big, but this guy was massive, right? Dude, I've seen you, you ain't looking yeah. to be big, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, anyway, he had a trolley full of shit, right? Like, all the worst a stuff you could have. full of shit? Like, yeah. gross. Like, pies and pasties and, and stuff you shouldn't eat, loads of chocolate and all this unhealthy stuff, right, yeah? And this whole trolley was just full of really crap food, right, that makes you fat. And then perched right on the very Diet top. Cook. No, wait, watchers call Nettos. <laughs> oh, hey, it's better that he give a tiny little bit of a damn than no damn at all. Who's like, what's the point of that? So he could care less. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could have cared less. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, what I do, 
Just pe- what people, I, I think people do it backwards. You know, people eat the shit food, right? And then they try and lose the weight. I do it the other way. I go to the gym hard, yeah. right? And then I run into Burger King straight after it and <laughs> eat as much as I can. I go, Hell well, it. you know, I'll burn that off. I've already done the hard work now. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're just going to fill up the calories you just burned. <laughs> yeah. You're, so you have fun. no net gain or loss. It's all yep. a perfect equilibrium. But it's like it's like one of the guys that were where he's like super fit, you know, does mountain biking, you know, like extreme. I hate speed. him already. Uh, so he's into a lot of stuff. But he goes, this is nowhere right. He goes to McDonald's and he has this thing that I don't, I'm assuming you have these in America, but it's called a big tasty. Do you have big tasties? I've not eaten at McDonald's for lunch in a long time. I go there for breakfast sometimes, but anyway, it's like a half pound burger on a bun, right? It's massive. Right. Well, I would hope it's on a bun. Yeah. I'd hope it, I, I would hope it's a large quantity if it's called a big tasty. Yeah. So he has one of them with bacon and extra Unless cheese. Unless it was called that. a big letdown. So he has, so he has <laughs> the, full, the full Monty with a large Coke and large fries, right? But well, that's Because he's burning off a million calories a day. But that in its own is about 1,200 calories just in that one burger and fries, yeah. right? But then he's not happy with that, and he has a double cheeseburger chaser with yeah. another portion of fries. Man, I'm like, what? he had a friend in high school who was a runner, like he was cross country. God damn, that dude busted out his lunch. He had like ten sandwiches and like three apples and all this. I'm like, damn, dude, what are you doing with all that food? He's like, I use a lot of energy. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. When, <laughs> you, when, you find um, me running when there's a guy with an axe chasing me, that's when I'm running. I, you know, I know it's they're awful films, but you know the prequel Star Wars films you know yeah. when when um Heidi and christensen had to beef up a little bit for episode they three to die. uh no says darth vader um <laughs> <laughs> when he when he had to beef up for darth vader he used to have five meals a day like big God, massive meals a day to yeah but they've up. been all protein though won't they they're just all just craziness and then he had to like work out all that day as well just to beef up to, yeah. Just so he could go. No. <laughs> um, now, y'all have heard Patton Oswalt talking about the Star Wars prequels, is that correct? Yeah. You have? No. Oh. <laughs> Geekiness is getting in the way of my nerdiness. I'm starting to notice as I grow older. I had this really sad realization. I was thinking the other day about a, uh, a time machine. If I had a time machine... You know, because I'm really into history. Like, would I go back and witness something, like find out who Jack the Ripper was or stop the Kennedy assassination? And the first thing I thought of doing, if I actually had a time machine, is I would go back to around 1993 or 94 and kill George Lucas with a shovel. That was the first thing that came to my mind. And stop him from making the prequels. That's how I would try to save history fucking pathetic. I mean, I don't even know how I would have reacted if I had just run into him on the street like going, oh my god, you're, you're fucking George Lucas, dude. Look, I don't want to I don't want to bother you and nerd out, but like Star Wars is one of my favorite movies and I just want to thank you, man. Just thanks for all that. It's it's so great. Ah, you like uh, Star Wars? Um, I got some good news. I'm working on the uh, three prequels, the first three chapters. Oh, Really? You're going to do the finally. Oh, my God. That's awesome, dude. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Well, hey, you say you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, do you like Darth Vader? I, <laughs> I fucking love Darth Vader, dude. The, the helmet and the cape with the sword. That's great, man. Is he in the first movie? Uh, yeah. In the first movie, you get to see him as a little kid. 
he like a little Damien Omen kid, like evil and killing people with his mind and shit like that? No, he's just like this little kid, and then he gets taken away from his mom, and he's very sad. <laughs> uh, I don't really care about him as a little kid at all, at all, at all. I don't. I just like the helmet and the sword and the cape. That was was kind of cool about him. Well, hey, don't worry, because guess who shows up in the second movie? Boba Fett. There you fucking Boba Fett, yes! With the helmet and he's a bounty hunter. That is awesome, man. That is so cool. Yeah, and in the second movie, you get to see him as a little kid. (laughs) Again, I don't care about him when he was a little kid. I like the ship and the helmet and the killing people. Is he like it? Does he have the little helmet on and he's killing people? Is that, is that what's going on? No, he's like this little kid and then his dad dies and he's very sad. <laughs> Just do a not bit give more. a shit at all about that. Could not care less. Well, don't worry because in the third movie, you know what shows up? The Death Star. Awesome, man, that fucking... Wait a minute, what is it doing, George? Well, you just see it at the very end of the movie. It's being built, and Darth Vader's just kind of looking at it. (laughs) Again, I don't care how they built it, how they put in the toilets or the air conditioning. I just like it when it's done, and then it's blowing planets up. That's kind of what's cool about it. You look really sad. I, dude, I gotta say, I'm pretty fucking sad, man. That sounds awful. I, that, that all just sounds like shit. <laughs> would you like some ice cream? <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I would like some ice cream. I like ice cream, man. That'd be cool if I had, like, a, a dish of ice cream. Well, here's a big bag of rock salt. <laughs> I was going to have a dish of ice cream. Well, when you combine the rock salt with ice and cream and sugar and flavoring, it becomes... I don't give a shit where the stuff I love comes from. I just love the stuff I love. Uh, brilliant. Who's that again? Patton Oswalt. He's really funny. You should totally check him out. I will. <laughs>